Blue. Sorry. I'll try and be sensible. Funny. Um. Unfortunately, but that's another bloody story we'll get to in a minute. Um, but welcome to Toon Talk. Remember, if you want to get in the show, it's www.toontalk.co.uk, or you can also, on any handheld device, go to www.novaradio.co.uk or under Google Play, and you can listen to the show wherever you are in the country, whatever device you wish to, to, to talk talk about the show. Or call 0191 538. Good evening, Andy. How are you? Not too bad. How are you? 
Yeah, I can't, can't complain too much to say as Neil. It's getting a, a bit warm over here, but uh, no, no complaints from me. I've also got um, to give us the Sunderland take is uh, Keith McStay's on the line as well. We'll get to Sunderland in a moment. Good evening, Keith. How are you? Good evening. Look, the lads, it's sunny here as well, so we must all be in the same boat. Don't you worry about us here back in Angleterre. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Uh, it is indeed. Uh, let, let's start, obviously, because Keith said as well, and we've got, we'll, we'll talk a bit of uh, Andy on the first bit, and then uh, Keith can jump in. But tell me, obviously, Newcastle have been going, well, we're slowly chugging, chugging towards the finish line. What's your take on the Sunderland issue tonight? Because that's a massive issue um, that I must admit when you, you're in the media. What was your take on it, Andy? Then obviously Keith can jump in as, obviously as a Sunderland fan, but it's incredible what, what happened with that. Do you know, is it really a massive issue? I, I'm not sure it, it's as big as we've, we've been sort of We've been to believe to know it's been made out to be. I think it was a really stupid thing to do. I mean, it was. It was really mistimed, really ill thought. But when I heard people calling for him to be sacked or to resign, I'm thinking, you know what? We know how these post-match interviews happen. They're, they're literally five minutes sometimes off the, off the field of play. Certainly not, not more than half an hour. Emotions are running high. Sunderland have had a shock of a season. There's no, there's no way we can sugarcoat it. They're having a terrible time of it. And David Moyes, he's come out, and it's not the first time, by the way, this season. I know that's the first time he's been in the papers, but a couple of times earlier this season, he said things to reporters when, they, when, they, when they thought the cameras weren't rolling. And I think he's just getting snappy. And do you know what? I don't, I don't agree with it. I don't, whether it's a woman, man, whoever, you, you, don't, you, don't, you don't need to say it. You can, there's a ways and means of saying, I don't like your questions without threatening someone with, with a slap. But I don't think he really would have slapped her. I don't think he'd have slapped anyone. I think he's just really feeling the pressure. But I think we're probably making it out to be more than it needs to be under the circumstances. That's just my take. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm being dismissive. But I mean, do you want to lose your manager over something like this? Yes, please. Anything. Let's face it. We can't get him on results. God, he's been promised a job all next season, and his results have been the worst in my history. Virtually, I think there's only one manager performed worse than him. And that was McCarthy after doing well in the championship. So, you know, McCarthy's overall record is better, but his championship, his premiership record was like pretty abysmal. But God, man, look, at, I don't know this girl, right? But realistically, the, the the journalist was pushing for answers, and realistically, I don't think he said it in an offensive way deliberately. Mm-hmm. But it, it's still in this day and age, you cannot say it to anybody. You cannot say it was banter because if he thinks he's being humorous on the end of a six-pointer playing as bad as we did he hasn't got time for humor he should be being serious so you know even if he says hey don't push the questions otherwise you'll get a slap even jovial he's not he's not in a position to be jovial the rock bottom of the league you should take his job more serious and to be honest he should be getting sacked for far worse than that his performance is what he should be getting judged by they're all making a lot of it on the media because everybody can just hit that twitter account and have that mm-hmm. here and it so it becomes massive but realistically it's not the worst thing that's happened. He said sorry, uh, and he should be allowed to move on if she hasn't really found offensive. She could be quite into the the mentality and, and, and be friendly with Moyes. I don't know. So she might well have took it a different way to the way they've brought it out in the way we're seeing it. But he said sorry. I'd let him off for that and that alone. It's the only thing I will give him. But I've said on media today, 
you know, if he did slap her, she'd slap him back and win the fight because Moyes couldn't win a single <laughs> thing at the moment. So he'd come second in that one. So I think he'd be uh, well advised not even bother going there, you know. He's, he's just rubbish. <laughs> not, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. You know what? It's, it's just a really ill-judged thing to say. But, but I don't think there was ever any intent. And the one thing I would say to you, know, worst things get said in, in post-match interviews and tunnels. And I, I've been there with, with various managers who... Who've, who said things to you when they're not happy with you. But the one thing that, that I've got to defend her on in all this is, you know what, you said she's pushing for answers, but that's her job. Whereas uh-huh, her job uh, is to get correct. three points for Sunderland. Her job is to, is to ask questions. And it, that's one thing that I can't bear in this business. Where all you're doing is trying mm-hmm. to answer your job. And yes, sometimes you're pushing it. But, but you know what, there's pushing it and there's pushing it. You know, you're, just trying to, you're trying to get a, a fair response because you are that buffer between the manager and the fans. And so you should never be getting grief from, from, from managers or whatnot because you've asked one question extra. You know, often you've got a press officer, press officer out of line and uh, out, of, out of the camp shot and they're saying to you, as soon as you start, like, we're, we're wrapping this up, you've got one more question, one more question, and, you, and you're looking at yourself thinking, actually, I've only asked one question. You know, I've got to go back to work and I've got a boss who's going to judge me on what I get here. I can't go back with 30 seconds on tape. I, I need to get something. And, and, you know, and that's, that's the pressure that you're under as a journalist. But, you know, on the one hand, you know, as much as I'm, I'll defend David Moyes and say talk of resignations and, and sackings is, is over the top, I don't think we should be judging her for, for pushing along asking questions because, as I said, that, that's what she's there to do. She's there to try and get some, some kind of answer, something different probably, if she's working for BBC, probably something different to what Match of the Day have already got and to what all the different other BBC outlets have got. So she's probably feeling a bit of uh, pressure herself. Correct. Yeah. It, should be, it should be free speech and, and fairness as well. Every single fan, we all knew Ellis was there. It was the questions that we were discussing pre-match, half-time, etc. Thinking, is he here to give him the bullet? You know, we all had that conversation. So that vibe must have made it the press boxes, etc. She should be entitled as that. I mean, Newcastle obviously did have a, a bit of a gagging order on selective mm-hmm. press uh, releases and who can come in. But mm-hmm. she was asking a very civil question. I think he did try to be humorous but yeah. just like his football and tactics he hasn't got his humor time right as seems his football technique he just hasn't got a plan and she should be on take last questions with a cracking question he failed to answer it and uh he came up with a bit of i don't know bluster really yeah did, did short stay awake during the game this time keith he did his wife didn't but he did yeah ah, he, right. he, he was awake yeah no, the I mean, wife I had a bit of interaction with, with the journalist in question, Vicky. She, she works at BBC Newcastle, mm-hmm. um, an experienced journalist. But as, as Andy rightly says, she's probably trying to get a slightly different angle to what other BBC reporters are getting. There's pressure on her to do her job to the best of her ability. Um, I, I think people are raising the question about the slap comment because she's a woman, quite rightly, but at the same time, um, I think what it shows more than anything else is how much pressure David Moyes is under and he's feeling it. And I think that, for me, on the outside of the club looking in, would, I would be worried about that as a Sunderland fan. That now, um, ever more, the cracks seem to be shown. And, and as Keith's right, he says he doesn't seem to be able to do anything about the results and he doesn't seem to be able to do anything about the performances. Um, and I think that just shows the level of pressure. And, and it, it goes without saying, short being there, in the current situation, is undoubtedly, there's questions to be asked, and undoubtedly that's got to put pressure on him. 
and I think the, the question was there to be asked. I'm surprised nobody asked it before Vicky Sparks did, but there you go. She she was the one that asked it and then got a response that I think you know I, I think Gary Lineker quite rightly says it, it, it's an inexcusable re- response for somebody who's in a pressured job, but it's well rewarded pressured job. Um, but again, as Annie quite rightly points out, I'm damn sure there's worse things said in post-match interviews that never get out of the public like this. Andy, this was two weeks ago. This wasn't like this week. This is what I... I think this is against Burnley. This wasn't uh, when he played against Watford. So this has been... Somebody somewhere has held on to this regarding Mr Short for two weeks, right? So it comes out today, right? And it's all been dealt with internally. He's going to go to the FA. He'll say, sorry, sorry, sorry. He'll get away with it because he can't get a five-match ban because it's not linked to the... It's not linked to the football pitch. Um, so, two weeks, this has been simmering, and it comes out today, and it's all done and dusted, really, essentially. And the one thing I couldn't understand, even if, even if she said something, like, I've seen far worse, like, look at Mourinho. Mourinho, every bloody week, he's saying he's having a pop at the journalist for them asking a, a question, and they're all, the, they're all the same, these managers, they just hate a question that either, either the robots in the mind, they can't handle the question, or they try and deflect. Now, why, is it be, why would it be, why would this um, be hung on for two weeks before it comes out now, when it would have been probably a far bigger story when it actually happened, Andy? It's a good question, and I don't have the answer to that one. I mean, uh, from what, I'm, from what I'm, I read today, was it, was it the Daily Star, the, the, story, yeah, the, the paper that published it? So maybe they want that. Maybe you know, there could have been two things. If they've had the, the the tape beforehand, maybe they have decided to hang on to it. It's quite possible it's taken them this length of time to get a hold of it, and it's probably then gone through. It's probably gone through someone's lawyers, and they'll probably have told the club they're going to run with the story first to give the club chance to respond. I, I don't think it really matters when it came out, does it? I mean, if it's if, if the if the paper had it for two weeks, you, you'd wonder why they'd hang on quite this long. I mean, is it really that, that unstabilising? Is it that much bigger story to hang on to it now because of the international break? I'm not sure it really made a difference when it came out, particularly. Mm. I'd be annoyed if it cost all our Premiership status, mind. Goodness me, we've been going so well on them eyes if this just unsettles <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing, is it? It's like, I've got to tell you, Andy, there's no way in hell if Son will go down, he's staying there. I don't care what they say. That, they, he, he wants... I think after what's all that's gone on, the fact that he probably feels he's hoodwinked, like he's kind of insinuated when he came in about the transfers, and quite rightly, um, uh, Keith will tell you that he's been given a large amount of money even when he came in. So, uh, to me, <laughs> if he leave, when he when he leaves the club, because he will, he will leave that club. He won't be the manager at Sunderland. Why would they put out a statement saying he is going to be? Andy? It doesn't make any sense to me that. I think that's just playing the game, isn't it? Trying, trying to, to stop the conversation and trying to say, he's our guy. And, it, and maybe we don't believe it, but it, it's an attempt just to try and to, I think, just to steady the ship and try and get everyone focused on, on what's going on on the field. You know, I must admit, I always thought some of them would be in this position uh, in March because they always are. They? Every, every season, the last three or four years, they don't start playing until March. And the, you know what? I'm not one of these Newcastle fans at all who 
takes pleasure in seeing Sunderland go down. I genuinely would much prefer we came up and Sunderland the Borough were both there. But it it was so apparent and it was so obvious this was going to happen. You know, I remember back back last year when Sam Allardyce is dancing on the pitch and everyone's laughing at our expense. I'm thinking, do you know what? This is you, you're going to be following us down here because the six points we've given you for the last three, four, five years in the derby, you're going to miss us. I mean, they have, haven't they? You know, if we if we'd beat up there, hadn't gone down, probably find Sunderland will be in a far better. position. It was only four last season. We were weaning ourselves off you gradually because we knew you were going down. But anyway, <laughs> on a lighter note, look at his football and technique. Let's just have a look at Mr. Allardyce. When that banter was going on about, you know, I mean, his arrivals, there's a bit of mockery either way. And it is generally, generally in good taste, a bit of fun. However, Allardyce it seems to be pulling the strings again at Palace. How we have kept Allardyce. He can play decent football. He turned Chelsea over no one backyard. Totally different character altogether. I know the road in Newcastle is on fond of him, but hey, he's done a cracking job both style of play. Players brought in motivational to those who had been underperforming previously. He's just got something. He seems to have that knack. Hull have changed their manager and just seem to be turning a corner and pulling out results. It's only Moyes. Now, what, what worries me about Moyes and when there's, there's still some supporters of him at Sunderland for getting this uh, press incident. He cannot get our players to be a match for teams in the bottom half and near the bottom six, seven, and eight. He cannot get a team to muster up an even match to them. That's the worry of his skill has lost him. His will to work, his motivational skills, if he ever had any of that, was his style or his, his way to build. He just cannot do it. He's been the wrong man, square peg, round hole from the outset. Never mind that hoodwink. He had, he had £21.5 million of his signings sitting on the bench for the last two games. Obviously, there was an international break, but the last two uh, matches he's played, his signings of £21.5 million have been sitting next to him. Joke of a man. I'll give you a bit of a text before you answer that one, Andy, but Alison Bender, who's been on my show, she's, she commented earlier today, I've just retweeted it now, but this moist thing is such a tricky one to comment on. I think we need a certain amount in jest, heat of the moment. Unfortunately, these are not the first off, sorry, these are not the first off-camera marks I've heard from aimed at a woman. So it makes my opinion a little different, difficult. But what are we saying? Are we saying that he's coming under pressure because he said this to a woman, or are we saying that the problem is that he made these comments and said, even though you are a woman? Because the, the two are slightly different, and I'm not sure which one offends people more. Mm. Okay. Uh, correct. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Because yeah. Are, we saying, are we saying he's sexist because he said, even though you are a woman, you'll still get a slap, or are we offended that he's insinuating he would slap a woman? Because, you know what, the, the two are slightly different, but I'm not quite sure which one is offending everyone so much. I'm not sure if, it, if it's equal or if one is more offensive than the other. It sounds to me like that. In, 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 people are having two bites at the cherry of it, Andy. I, I, I would tend to agree. You've got some people saying that it's a, it, it's a sexist remark and, and that he wouldn't have said it to a male reporter, but I think there's, there are some people saying you just shouldn't say it to a reporter, full stop. You know, if, 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 if it was you interviewing the Premier League manager, Andy, you know, and one of them threatened to give you a slap, um, 
that should oh, it's, it's happened. Itself. I've had that. I've I'm certainly sure. had that before from some of the biggest <laughs> names knocking about. And you know what? Unfortunately, it's not right, but there's nothing you can do about it because if it's a Premier League no. manager at a big club, you're not going to win the arguments. So you're best just, you just, well, take it on the chin might be the, the wrong expression because you, you should never, you're never going to really take it on the chin, but you just need to, you just have to take it and then and take it like water on a duck's back because you, you can't win that one. You really can't, yeah. and well, it's I not right. You, but you just have to let it slide. It, it, I think, but effectively, in a, in a fundamentally male-dominated environment, mm. um, where women do tend to find it difficult to break into any form of it, although you know we're now seeing more female anchors coming into football ball programs, for example, worldwide, not just um, not just in the UK, um, and yet you're finding more and more female commentators, football reporters, etc., which is quite right. They should just be evaluated on whether they're good, good enough for their job or not. But in, in what is still effectively a male-dominated environment, to come out with a, um, to use a phrase like that to a woman, it, 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 it's, it's irresponsible at best. Um, and you're right, heat, oh, of the moment, you... heat of the moment and all of that, yes. I get heat of the moment, um, but all of these guys are, are well-paid, allegedly role models of one form or another. And really, um, the, I think, as I said before, it just shows how much pressure the man's under. It's as simple as that. No, I, I agree, that, absolutely. I, I agree that you, you could take it either way. So in that case, you should be sacked on two offences, really. really. We've got him. We've got him here, haven't we? Yeah, you don't like him too much, do you? I'm, I'm not his biggest fan, to be honest. If there's anybody needing a slap, Moyes used to have a good long look in the mirror. He's the one that needs to be slapped from here to the real end of the country. And just honestly, Brexit, leave him on the continent. He's absolutely dreadful for our club. It's become. Do you know like what? Though? One thing he would say about David Moyes. And this is, and uh, listen, I, I know uh, Andrew didn't ask me to come on here to, to defend him, but uh, what I would say about, about David is I, I first met him when I was, I'd have been about 19 years old, and I was, I was at university, he was the manager of Preston, and I remember yeah. putting the call in to, uh, to the club, saying, oh, is there any chance for the student newspaper we could do a little interview with, with, with David Moyes? I was expecting five minutes, probably some, some kind of post-match, a load of other people around, and the guy who couldn't have been better, he said, yeah, come down. And this wasn't you know, like, like modern days when you're in a, in a press conference or you're in some big environment with a press officer around. It was me and him, sat in his office. He made me a cup of tea, and we sat down for half an hour talking all things Preston North End. It was one of the, the first sort of big interviews I ever got to do in, in my kind of fledgling journalism career, and the guy could not have been nicer. And... Something's happened to him over the last, last few years, probably the Manchester United thing, where I think he's just now become very, very wary of the press, almost suspicious. And he comes over and works with us over at Being Sports from time to time over, over in Qatar. And you can just sense there's a, there's a suspicion now. And, you know, I remind him, you know, you remember I used to do these things with you, David, 20 years ago. On, you know, we're, we're not asked to get you. We're not trying to, to look for a line. But you can just tell there's almost a suspicion now. I think... I think the, the way life has gone for him over the last four or five years, particularly with, with the United job, I just think he's, it's just affected him in a way that he's not quite the same relaxed character that, that he probably was when I first met him 20 years ago. Bang on the money. I've said this every week. The fella's lost his mojo, his performance on the continent in Spain, his performance at Man United mm. didn't go for him. He's never fancied this job from the start, and I, I go on saying about mis, being misled is nonsense. He was there with a little bit of 
pre-season, so he did have a bit of time. There's managers came in at Hull, like I've just described there, and they're starting to get performances. Allardyce turned to a Palace and is getting performances. He hasn't had windows to buy, like, you know, in the summertime and in January. So Moyes just doesn't seem to have it in him. It, unfortunately, the Preston North End and the Everton, which obviously followed on, them days are gone. Uh, when you're a 19-year-old lad, Moyes has travelled the whole load and he's going backwards rather than forwards. Now, in my view, he just seems to have lost the will to do the job. And the performances on the pitch, I mean, we've got a decent keeper. There's some lads in midfield who played there last season for Allardyce and previous seasons in the Avocar and got what out of a position. Moyes can't get them to lift. We've got a cracking goal scorer. He scores from virtually zero chances in some matches. And Moyes cannot get us to compete even with the lower teams, as I said earlier on. He's got to have a look at himself and think, is he the right man for the job? Just before I do go and let you talk all Newcastle, right? Yeah. Differences when you went down, championship. Rafa Benitez, right, is a, is a much better manager. I can see why he's wanting to cling on to him. He's not the best manager in the world. Like, I know you, you see that up here, but he's certainly a good manager. And there was some hope if you kept him. The opposite's the case. I don't see Moyes having the spark and buzz that if he was, he would be sacked soon into a championship campaign and would be struggling mid-table to even make the playoffs, which is no way to be. You have had a couple of little scares, and that's with who you believe is a bit of a messiah for you. Can you imagine Moyes? He's lost his mojo. How can he possibly be rebuilding if he cannot muster up a, a result against a Wofford, a Bournemouth, you know, at Burnley, and, he, and he's even on the Burnley with six point. He loses it with the the air journalist. What sort of man is he? If he's struggling to make the playoffs, he'd be under major pressure down there. Probably worse. Yeah, true, true. Uh, thanks for coming on, Keith. I know it's no it's problem. You just cut on with all the mags. Enjoy your week in there. Enjoy a bit of glow in the walls in the season. Good luck, <laughs> yes, fellas. Thank you. Cheers, mate. Thank Bye. you. Cheers. But that, that's the thing, I think, when it comes to Newcastle, Andy, and, uh, and Neil, when it, when it comes to Newcastle, it's, to me, it's a, Newcastle are very much in a quandary, uh, the way that we play, the crowd, um, lots of things are going on in Newcastle, but I, I, I'm more worried about when it goes anyway, but let's get back to the, the fact that um, we, won, we won on Saturday, again, we inched over the line, uh, the two-week break, and it was, I think, came at a good time for Newcastle uh, because we looked like we were knackered in in, in every sense, I thought. But um, what was your thoughts on it? Because ra- the Rafa situation, the fact that we're, we haven't, we seemingly haven't got a sponsor yet, even though... Uh, Mr. Yes, we have. We have. We haven't been told the name. Yes, well, you know, it's done. <laughs> but what do you think, what do you think Andy? It, it, do, you, do you have any... Names on the fact that it could be the sponsors already, because uh, I, I, I actually asked the Newcastle United um, uh, source, and I gave him a, I gave him a, a number, uh, a letter, and he started laughing at me. So, um, what's your take? What's your take on Rafa and the way Newcastle are playing? I know it's lots to talk about, but what's your what's your thoughts on it? it I've I've seen this scene almost as as a wasted year really it was just a year we had to get through and yep. get up it didn't really matter how we did it it was never going to be pretty we got rid of the big earners 
in, in Wijnaldum and Sissoko and neither particularly even pressed uh, for, for Liverpool and, and Tottenham. Have they? So we, we, we just get those out of the way. We start again and it's just about getting back to the Premier League and then the real work starts this summer because best win in the world, the squad that we have now isn't anywhere near ready to compete in the Premier League. And that, that might sound really big-headed if, 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 you, if, if you're listening and you're not a, a fan of Newcastle. But it just to me, we're just too big now. Compared to some of the teams that I look at in the Premier League, you know, if Watford, if Bournemouth, if Burnley are all Premier League clubs, then we shouldn't be messing around in, in the Championship. Uh, but, you know, we are where we are. I think we, it's, my big concern this year is, is just we found it quite easy to play against the best teams away from home. I thought the performance against Brighton was fantastic. I thought we played really well away at Huddersfield. Even games when perhaps the score hasn't looked good, you know, away to Burling and Reading. These sorts of games haven't troubled us. It's been the games at St James's when we just can't break down teams who are, who are clearly inferior uh, to us. And we struggled against Fulham and against Bristol City and Sheffield Wednesday and Blackburn. And the problem we're going to have is that I think when we want to come back up, you, you, to stay in the Premier League, you have to win your home games because you're not going to do what we've done this season and go and win on the road every week. So something's got to change. And that would be my, my one concern. But that said, surely it's going to be a vastly different team next season to, to the one that's playing now. There must be at least six or seven additions planned for the summer. You, you would have thought that at least, and I think that's why, and I've said this before in here, Andy, that we didn't add in January for adding six. Uh, they weren't going to spend money on players that they'd then have to shift on again. It, it, they were only going to spend money on players that could stay with the squad and improve the squad for the Premiership or take loans who would get us there. And, 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 and so I, I think you're right. I mean, for next season, I think we'd have a very much changed squad. Um, I, I think not only would Rafa demand it, I just think it makes perfect blinking sense. Um this is this season is all about getting back up the first attempt. Nothing more, nothing less. Doesn't matter whether we're first or second. It really doesn't matter. Um, we're, we're we're just digging in now. We'll give ourselves a heck of a chance. That that buff at the Huddersfield, mm-hmm. even with their game in hand, is now looking like a fair distance. Is the math starts to work against Huddersfield, and I think that's what we've got to remember. Um, they're running out of games, even with a game in hand. And they slip up in the last minute at home to Burton. Um, I, I, we couldn't follow it over here. I was actually at at, at, say, at a function in the evening with a Brighton fan, and we both both reacted when we saw the the the, the, the Huddersfield result slip through, because um, it basically it becomes more and more of a two horse race and a bit of a shootout. I think we're just about there, aren't we? I tell you one thing: if, if you're a if you if you're a diehard home and away fan, you might not appreciate this, but for, for like the likes of us living abroad, I'm pretty sure now every game between now and the end of the season is being televised, which means globally, you know, wherever you are in the world, we'll be watching every every minute, and we should, we should see it finished off. I can't I can't see us not going up now. Can you? I mean, we, it look it, I don't want to be you don't want to preempt it, but it looks done and dusted now, surely. It's, it's looking that way. It's, I think it's one of them things, isn't it, with Newcastle? You're never sure until you're sure. But um, like when it's math, when it's math, mathematical, uh, personally, we sh- it should be, you know, Mike Ashley um, and uh, Rafa Benitez. It should be a big noise made about that. Or even if even if it comes to the fact that we've we've re- renewed his contract, and it should be to me, they've got to go big. Uh, it doesn't matter who the sponsor is going to be because it's going to be who it's going to be. 
but um, plus they obviously they're going to China. They're trying to do deals. I'm, I'm sure on the on the shirt on the sleeve. I believe there's um, they've, they've started yeah. talk. I've heard about the talk about that because uh, clubs are starting to realise you know you put advertising on the shirt on the well, sleeve. Well, it's because the Premier League are going to allow it from next season, Andrew. Mm. I think it's the first next season is the first season that it's going to be allowed mm. to have other than a main sponsor. Yeah, it's, to me. It's What's the good feeling, Andrew? What's the good feeling at home? How, how many of how many of our our squad now do you think are ready to go in the Premier League? Oh. How many do you think we've got now that are Premier League ready? I would say, to me, there's not many. Um, I would say five with a push. Yeah. Who would the five be? Really? Jamal, Kieran Clark, yeah. Delvey, Gale, Richie. Yes. Those five? Darlow. I would say six then if it's Darlow. But to me, it, it's not a strong. The thing is, that the trouble is, now you look at Dummett, and I don't think. The problem with Dummett, he's obviously left back. But in the Premier League, that team will get. Newcastle's team would get done. Because it's such, it's such a pacey league. And I've always thought Newcastle yeah, like Dummett so in the middle. This, this, this is the thing that they get everybody goes on about Dummett. If you look at his pace over 50 yards, he's still quite quick. Mm-hmm. And, and um, you know, we would love to have our left back at Newcastle United. I don't know what it is about left backs, but we seem to hate them. Mm-hmm. We kind of stop ourselves from having a go at a left back. I don't know what no, it I'm is. No, I'm anyway. just talking in general. I'm thinking, well, when it comes to pace, yes, he's got a big pace. Nothing Hayden's, nothing Hayden's ready. I mean, he's now a regular in the England of the 21s. He's rated by everybody in the England setup. Um, so, come on, how many, people, how many players are Premier League ready in that team, Neil? I was only asking, I was only asking his, Andy's question because well, I think I, it's convoluted. <laughs> convoluted it is a convoluted well, answer. It's like, it's not it's, easy because... It is to be Andrew, because if if you look at the teams that came up last season, um, you know, you, you, and you look at teams in the Premier League like like Burnley and Bournemouth, would you have said many of their players were Premier League ready? And no. and yet they're managing. Okay, they're not pulling up trees, but mind you, I think that's because I don't think the Premier League, in, in terms of a a quality league, in terms of the players that are there. Outside of about four or five clubs, there's not actually that much quality in the Premier League. Um, you know, when you compare to, I mean, as Andy works on multiple leagues around Europe, no doubt, you know, you see the level of quality in some of the some of the also run teams across Europe. I think there is some better quality individuals, but I think if you can get a functional unit in the Premier League, and I think that's what it's about. Remember, Leicester won the title as a functional unit. And when they became a dysfunctional unit, you saw what happened. Um, and I think that's the secret to the Premier League, is getting a functional unit. I don't think it's necessarily about how many players are ready per se. It's, is the unit ready? It's a very good point. Although, though, Neil, I, I hope nobody's going into next season, assuming we are up, and thinking we should be aspiring to do what Bournemouth or Burnley or these teams do. I, mean, I hope that the, the aim is to be finishing top 10 because anything less, really, there's not much between 10 and the bottom of the Premier League in terms of any day that, you know, there's, you know it's kind of, it's much of a muchness, isn't it, really? And we should really be aiming to be pushing up to finish where we're like Stoke and West Brom are, you know, even first season yeah. back, anything lower, it seems to me, Setting the, be- setting the bench, setting the bar, even way too low. 
I, I don't think Rafa would settle for uh, consolidation, and I think that's the, 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 the I think that's why you would see significant change in the squad. This squad at the minute is designed to get us out of that division, which is like quicksand. The more you struggle, the deeper you get sucked into it. Like Leeds, like Sheffield Wednesday, like Nottingham Forest. You know, all these former Premier League teams that languish in that division um, and seem every year to just flap and flop um, because that's what happens the longer you stay down. I read something about Redden haven't had the most parachute payments. They've had something like £78 million in parachute payments. I mean, that's... that's And they talk about us buying the league and we've not had a penny of the bloody stuff yet. We must be in credit for this season. We are, I, I didn't actually work it out before we started, but we must have sold more than we spent the season, surely. Yes, we did. We're, we're, we're in net, net profit by about, I think, by about £28 million or something like that. And then everybody's whinging about us buying the league in parachute payments. And do and you know the only people who will get the parachute payments if we go up? Is that divvied up between the rest of the teams? I.e. all the fans that are whinging about parachute payments. They should be wanting us to go up now. <laughs> Steve, do, do, do uh, Steve here still in the Newcastle fans forum. Um, we are in credit money-wise, aren't we? But the first thing we should mention, uh, which I haven't mentioned anybody else yet, but the, the food bank did really well on, on Saturday. It's become quite the thing now, isn't it? It did. Good evening, guys. Yeah, it did. Uh, once again, the Newcastle fans really showed what they're uh, what they're all about in terms of uh, their generosity and uh, their uh, ability to be able to support members of the community. Um, where we raised again and uh, collected rather not raised collected another 2.7 ton of food uh, that was donated on the match day to the stand at the back of the Gallagher End opposite Chiras Bar or Nine Bars, it's called now. Plus, phenomenal uh, amount of money as well, uh, donated via raffles and uh, collection on the day of over £1,400. And I, I do believe there is, uh, there is more money outstanding to come as well. Um, it's, it's, been, it's been remarkable the way that the, the, the fans have, have, have gathered around and, and taken the food bank uh, collection point to their hearts and uh, are really helping the community. I'm absolutely mm-hmm. delighted, as are the guys who set it up. You know, it's, 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 it's remarkable. But uh, a lot of that also goes down to the volunteers who work at the food bank day in, day out, um, putting their heart and souls into supporting members of our community who uh, are really struggling at this moment in time. Yeah, uh, it, it, it's, been, it's been, I must say, it's one thing I never expect to say, I don't know about you, Andy, but, um, you know, over in Dubai it's, uh, and uh, Doha, it's, it's come, it always, it's, it's always comes as luxury, but when it comes to the, the Tyneside area, uh, with lots of things happening with obviously people now need, needing more more things to survive. I was on it myself when I came back. So it, you know, it, with Brexit, you're gonna you're gonna find the the price is gonna go up. Maybe the worst case scenario of all is that we could save more people on the streets having to get a, a help from the outside services. And it's a great thing that Rafa's embrace as well, isn't it, Andy? quiet <laughs> I'll, I'll chip in there it's great that Rafa I mean Rafa has really taken the the, the whole uh, community aspect of Newcastle Football Club to his heart um, he, he gets it he, you know, which 
you can understand because you know he was he was spent so many years in Liverpool. His family did an awful lot of community work in Liverpool. His wife still does, as does Rafa himself. And now he's embracing that same sort of community value uh, in the Newcastle United. And uh, I mean, a perfect example was Isaac Hayden going along to the food bank a couple of weeks ago and spending an afternoon with the staff and helping out sorting out the, the tins and uh, making cups of tea for people as they came in uh, and generally mixing with the, the staff and the, the, the not just the volunteers but also the people who are coming along looking for looking for help and uh, you know that 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 sort of thing it's it's a lot of the unsung stuff that go, that's going on now um, that Rafa's sort of embracing and getting the, getting the players to embrace and a lot of that there also needs to be looked at in terms of the work that the Castle Foundation does and the way that the, uh, the press team and, uh, and, and the guys with a bit of soul about them uh, have, have taken the, uh, the whole community aspect to their hearts. Yeah, it's Chris. Are you there, Andy? Yeah, no, it's a, it's a fantastic story, isn't it? And, and well played to everybody involved. It's, um, it just shows what Newcastle's all about. I was going to say, uh, Steve... With the question I asked you before, how many players are Premiership ready? Do you, do you have, how many players do you think is Premiership ready? <laughs> great, great question. It, it, you know what? The ball, most of those players have had some sort of Premier, Premier League experience of one shape or another, whether it's been already with Newcastle, with relegation, um, whether it's been at, at other clubs. Uh, and then Rafa's, for you know, for example, Hayden, you know, he was at, he was at uh, at Hull, um, previously with with Arsenal. Um, you know, we've seen Gail. He Gail struggled to get into the Crystal Palace team. Um, you know, he, but he made appearances with Crystal Palace, um, so he's had experience. Obviously, Shelby. Um, how many are good enough? I think a lot of it revolves around what style of football Newcastle are going to play. Um, who Rafa is going to bring in alongside those players? There's certain players in there that I think. Are possibly more geared to the Premier League um, than they are to the to this uh, sort of hit and rush, uh, kick you, uh, ignore the ignore the rules of the game in terms of the, the blind referees that seem to have at St James's Park at the moment. Um, it's difficult to say. It's difficult to say. I mean, I, I haven't looked at how many how long players have on their contracts um, or anything like that. I, you know, I, I'm, if I if I went through the team. If, if it was me, I would be looking for wholesale changes right across because I would be hoping that uh, that Newcastle were going to really sort of try and make the mark, not not just sit back. I think that that word consolidate was used earlier. Um, I, I don't think that's Rafa's Rafa's game at mm. all. Um, I think that he's looking, he'd be looking not necessarily to set the world on fire in terms of coming back in the Premiership, but he's Sorry, not going to suffer, you know. And he's got to go, he's got to go in the studio. Thanks very much for coming on, Andy. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks very much. Thanks, Andy. Cheers, Andy. He's, gone. he's been grabbed by the studio, by the studio floor manager, but he's gone, so... Must be, must be doing the midnight news, is he? <laughs> <laughs> he's gone. But, like, yeah, so... But that's the thing, isn't it, Steve? Out of all of the players you've got, if you, that's the thing we, we, uh, me and Neil were talking about before with Andy, but that's the problem, isn't it? When you think each, when you go through each and every player, it, because it's a quick, it's a kind of a, it's a double-edged sword that, that uh, question, isn't it? Because when you got the the players that you, you know, the core of the team, that's what you have to, you, you're going to have to go on. But it was interesting, wasn't it, when you listened to Mr. Pardew talk about when um, they had such a good season, they got the final, 
And he said when they finished the season, he wanted to keep the core players that he wanted, even though he did think they should have brought in more players. It's a, it's a hard thing. It's a hard thing to answer with the, the, way, the way we're having to play football in that league. Uh, when you go in the Premier League, a lot of it is going to be pace. Um, so, you know, the, the one thing that worries me is obviously, if, if, you know, uh, is he going to get the money uh, to, to, to improve the team? But um, it, it's, it's a very hard thing to you know. Do, do you, what do you think of the fact that once, we, once, it's, once his promotion is done, Steve, and this can go to you as well, do you think you can actually come out immediately and say, listen, we're giving him a new contract? And he's our man on Rafa. What, Rafa? Rafa? Yeah. He is our man, done. but do you not think they should, they should no, be? Because of what yeah, happened? I think, no, I think they've got a, he's got a contract. Um, they've, they've got him under contract. He's got a contract. He'd be happy with his contract that he's got. I'm sure there's, there's bonuses in that contract for getting us promoted that he'll benefit from. Um, he's not daft. I think what you've got... Also remember where Rafa is. That uh, Rafa's not the sort of bloke who'll sit back and, and I think and, and dwell on you know the loyalty of the players that have got him up. He's a hard-nosed manager. He's travelled the world. He knows what he wants. He knows the style of football he wants to play, and he knows the sort of um, what's needed uh, in the next league. And Rafa will have already identified the players that you know at the end of the season will go. Thanks very much, guys. You appear to get what up, and then. You're out the door. Um, I'm, I'm, you're not part of the plans. Um, there'll be other players in there that you'll be looking at and you're thinking, well, yeah, I think he can do good, but you'll be part of the squad. Um, and there'll be players in there that he thinks are nailed on to stay um, for one reason or another. Get, if, this, is the, this is the conundrum, is it? What was your thoughts on, uh, on Saturday of the performance, of, uh, the, the atmosphere? Um, I can't well, complain all the time about it. It's really, another another really fifty-one, another fifty-one thousand nine hundred turning up at St James's Park. Um, what yeah, does that yeah. say? You know, that that shows that the the loyalty that the fans have, um, the performance. It was a struggle at times um, because that's the nature of as we're getting to this uh, rough end of the season. I think a lot of people were were under the misapprehension that we were going to let loose and we're going to tear this Wigan team apart. Mm-hmm. Um, there was there were big, big, big team. Um, they were physical. Um, they they had a formation that they stuck to. They had a striker who seemed to get away with murder with everything he wanted to do. They, we had a referee, as I said, that just seemed to miss so many things going on, um, pulling up for for ridiculous uh, situations, throw-ins that he didn't notice, um, nudges off the ball, blowing, letting letting the ball, you know play the advantage only for it to then break down and then give the give the free kick the other way, um, missing the penalty that, that you know, I think, you know, did the fifty one thousand Yeah, I thought it was a penalty. It was right on level with it was us. A penalty so. all day long, Andrew. Yeah. And, and I saw it and I didn't think it was. I, I I looked at the contact and I didn't think I thought he went down yeah, it looked, to me, it didn't look much. You know, I mean, what's that, to me, what's it was a stone wall. It didn't look like a stone wall. What's that contact, Andrew? Uh, very little. I didn't think it was very. What's I didn't that? think there was any con- much contact at all. To be honest, what's I thought that, he no, went into it. He went into it. It was bound to me. Was that much? Was that much contact? Not much contact. No contact at all. And was it in the box? And did he go down? <laughs> and would you have expected a, a penalty? And in all in all of those instances you, you, you've directly got a split second to make his decision 
Um, where we were sitting, it looked on a nailed-on penalty because it looked like we connected with him and he brought him down. And the lad, it wasn't as though the lad dived. It wasn't. He didn't give anything. He didn't blow the other way. He didn't blow for. A, he just decided for, for all intents and purposes, it wasn't a foul in the box. I think that referee would have given a foul if that had happened outside the box. He didn't give it. He didn't give it. It was in the box. There was a, there was connection, and he didn't give it. And that summed up that referee throughout the whole game. Um, there was stuff going on at the other end that he let go. Um, there was one particular incident I remember where Dummett jumped up with the centre forward. The centre forward arched his back, bent over, flicked Dummett up in the air. Dummett came down like a sack of potatoes, and the referee went, "Play on." The lad was sprawled out on the deck. We thought we thought he broke his spine. The landing that he took on the ground, and he lay there for about 30 seconds. And the referee, the, the ball, the, the ball went up uh, into centre play, out onto the right, uh, the right wing, and eventually went out of throw in, and eventually Dummett picked himself up. And but you could see it had it had completely knocked the wind out of him, and the referee just didn't want to know. He didn't even look back, but yet the lad arched his back and flicked him over, and. Yes, you see, I mean, that, that to me it was a it was a criminal foul that type of thing. You know that that was cynical. It, you know, yeah, oh, it, yes, it does happen a lot. But it happened. But it happened more and more in this league. I've seen more bad decisions. I've seen the referees. They they there's so much more. And it's not fair in in terms of you've got the Premier League, which is is wrapped in cotton wool and then you've got this league where it's literally you know almost Sunday league status where you can kick anything above grass you know and get away with it you can you can call a referee whatever you like and get away with it you can abuse the referee and get away with it yet you can also you can also get get pulled up for standing your ground and and somebody running into you and you'll get a free kick given against you and you think the bloke just ran into them there you know and this type it's it's the, the, the quality and standard of referee in this league is nothing short of abysmal. What do you and think, think Neil, on, on the, in the performances and everything? But it's interesting, Neil, isn't it, when you, when you look at this happening weekly, it's not like it, it's the standard of referee in it. Like you watch. It's just and, Andrew, uh, honestly, uh, we, were, we were warned over here on the last day of last season by uh, a, a few borough lads that we meet with occasionally about the standard of refereeing in this division and everything they told us has come absolutely word for word true. Um, everything from the, the level of just the general poor level of officiating to to the inconsistencies between officials. Um, you know, you, you've got officials genuinely playing almost variant interpretations of the rule week in, week out. I gather this week, at one point, the ball went out of play, came back in, the linesman started the flag, then realised the referee hadn't give it, and put his, sheepishly put his flag back down. It did, yeah, um, it did. And then the referee proceeded to then give a foul against us. And, 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 and that just, if you want the referee, refereeing in this division summed up in one uh, instance, that sounds like it. Um, and I'm sorry, Andrew, 100% that was a penalty. All day long, I've seen it. I've seen it from three, three different. I've seen it from three different angles, and I don't see how you can say there's anything other than a penalty. And yeah, that's that's even even taking me black and white glasses off, Andrew. 
Hey, you know, I, I loved I, it. I, I loved should, it and watched it. He went down very easily. I'll just say I, that sh- I showed it to the Brighton lad that of two different views of it on Twitter um, that I was with on Saturday night, and he just shook his head and put his head in his hand. He says you should have been. He didn't get it either. And but he says the same that they they get more penalties, and he doesn't understand it because. Um, he says just the level of officiating that they have suffered themselves in this division week in, week out for the last three or four years. Um, it, it really is um, a step down in class. And, it, and, and I don't always think the premiership referees are all that. Mm-hmm. But dear me, come back, uh, uh, come back Mike Dean, all is forgiven. <laughs> yeah, it, looks, it, looks like, uh, it looks like Steve they're going to be bringing in um, video evidence, which is... They, they used it last week, didn't they, against France and uh, France and Italy? I yes, think. it was. Yeah, it was used in a in a in a friendly really? match between France and Spain, and I, I, they only take thirty seconds, didn't it, when both one was for offside, and the other one was went the other way at the other end. Um, but you know what? It, it, the, the, the only concern I have with 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 it is that it's going to come in at the very top level. And it's not going to filter its way through mm-hmm. and down into the into the, the championship, uh, Division One, Division Two, um, and then into the pyramid. And it, it, you're not going to have it. So you've got a different standard. Maybe maybe people would argue that the the the, the Premiership is worth more. Um, maybe the decisions are worth more. So the decisions have got to be more correct. Um, you know, they've got to be more nailed on. They've got to be more precise. But the fact that you're going to have it in one league. And you're not going to have it in the league below. You're not going to have it in the championship, but you're going to have it in the Premier League potentially. Um, that that concerns me. I, I like a level playing field, you know, and I like to think that, you know, that the the football league, the FA, and the Premier League would have been working together, and they, they would have said, you know, because they've all got they've all got the TV people there anyway, you know, and and they would have they would have put it in put it in place. Um, it's, that's not what's going to happen. Um, I think the FA are going to have it possibly in FA Cup matches, you know. Um, so again, only in the FA Cup, you know. Um, and and you know that what will happen there is it will go against the smaller teams anyway. <laughs> when it comes to the crunch, just merely merely because of the the laws of probability that the the bigger team is is on the attack more, um, you know gets more of the decisions anyway from the referees. Um let's let's see how it let's see how it spins out. But it only took the thirty seconds, didn't it, uh, in that uh, France Spain game for it uh, and you could see that but you could see the the confusion uh, on the eyes of the players, you know. Um and again a, a defi- an offside decision, you know, offside is so it's it's so dubious anyway, you know, it's it's, it's so fine, you know. <laughs> he's, off to, he's off to get the phone, he is. He's gone, he's just Blame gone. He's off, he's off to get the phone. No, he would do, like. Um, Class. Like, Class. Uh, glad to know what chat's that interesting, Steve. Um, yeah, exactly. I, no, no. It, it, I, th- I think, the, do you know what it is? The problem with video technology and what we saw when they introduced it in the F- NFL, what happened? It took about two or three seasons for them to get the balance right. Yeah. Between what do you check and what don't you check? They started off checking everything without a challenge. The, the referee decided sometimes he wanted to check something. Game suddenly went from two and a half hours to four hours. And it was ridiculous. And it was plainly ridiculous. 
They then went the other way and took out too much of chance to use the technology that was available. And it, and it did. It took them about four seasons to get the balance right. And I think they have got the balance right now. Um, and I think that this is the problem with adding video technology into, into football is that it's going to take a couple of seasons for that balance to be struck. And in the meantime, there's going to be a lot of frustrated fans on the end of that. And so how long will it last? They've almost got to try and find a way to do the experimentation without it impacting on the top-level games and then bring it in once they know exactly what they're doing with it. What I would hate to see is some sort of either going all in on something which just destroys the flow of the game versus we have to start getting more decisions right consistently and we've got good video technology and other technology that will allow that. And it seems to be week in, week out, there's something we're talking about at the top flight. And we're talking about decisions that have got to be right that are going to cost a club hundreds of millions of pounds now. And yeah. so they've got to do something like that to keep the integrity of the game based on that and that alone. What, what price on someone in the future, if there isn't video technology, being relegated and taking it all the way to... To some sort of legal body saying these guys have cocked up and it's cost us this amount of money because there'll be some cheeky side will want to challenge it somewhere because everybody you know the elephant in the room is often the lawyer in the room and, and, exactly. and I think you know we're talking huge huge figures about up and down in the Premier League now um, did that France-Spain game prove that video technology was a success I think it proved that it can get decisions right uh, did it do it quickly enough? Not for my money. Yeah, it was a bit slow, I thought, was it? Because just seeing people were like in suspended animation waiting for the decision, and would it just me it takes 30 seconds to do that. Come on. Y- 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 you know, Andrew, though, we would adjust because the, the rugby fans have adjusted. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, and, and, and it's used very well in rugby. And, there, and, and you kind of tell me that there wasn't rugby fans who were dead set against it, because I bet there were. I bet there were some hardcore rugby rugby union fans in particular who didn't want their game spoiled by some meddling git with the television. Um, but at the same time, they've adjusted and adapted and enjoyed it. In rugby, both rugby league and rugby union, do they use it only for uh, decisions regarding uh, whether it's a try or not? Yeah. Um, so I think for decisions of fact of importance like that, yes. Yeah. But I think also it is then used because they've got the ability to cite and then use it in retrospect and that's yeah. something you don't really necessarily have in football. And yeah. I think that's something that you'd then probably find gets introduced alongside. You 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 want I think the video technology for undisputed matters of fact only. And then if you can then use that video technology retrospectively on matters of opinion about, well, was that a red or a yellow? Or was that decision that was missed by the referee, should that have been a red? Was that an elbow? Was that a deliberate kick or a thrash out or what have you? Which is um, what happens now, isn't it? If yeah, it, it is. Because the FA, the, the, the FA and the powers of be sit and watch match of the day and see who's analysed what and what they've spotted. And then next thing you know, on Sunday morning, it gets announced that uh, they're looking at a decision uh, regarding X centre half or X centre forward, uh, you know, retrospective action. And now you, you even get the situation. I'm thinking very much like the Ibrahimovic situation, mm-hmm. um, where he was, where he he, he clobbered the player with the elbow, and straight away it was, well, that'll get done. 
you know, it was the it was the talk of the radio show um, straight after the match. It was the talk during the game, where for about twenty minutes, because I was listening to that match, that particular game, where where the mm. conversation was entirely, like I say, about twenty minutes while the, while the game was going on. Um, well, that'll be done retrospectively. You know, the entire half time was taken up by a conversation on the radio about retrospective action. Um, yeah. And strangely, none of them thought there would be retrospective action on the incident regarding the defender and the stamp, um, because most of them hadn't seen it yet. It wasn't until that suddenly appeared because somebody was going through the rushes at half time and they suddenly plonked that one up as well. And all of a sudden, mm. oh yeah, and oh there's another one, you know. Oh now we know why he did it, and all this. And I think, oh hang on a minute, and I'm like, why he did it? <laughs> he did it. I, actually thought, yeah. I, I thought when I saw it, I did think, you know, good on, um, good, good on the privilege doing it. Considering what that other guy did to him, and it was he only he, no one that was going to do it. He knew he obviously knew he was going to get done, and he got he only got three matches. But those three matches have severely hindered. Manchester United. The fact that he hasn't played the last couple of games uh, has really affected the, you know, the, they've drawn so many games, haven't they, since then? But that, that, yeah, but the Manchester United have drawn so many games full stop, even with Abraham Ridge mm-hmm. playing. Manchester mm-hmm. United have only won 40% of their home games this season. <laughs> you know, yes, they've been beaten. They've been beaten at home in 2016-17, but they've only won 40% of the games. And Ibrahimovic has played virtually every game until this suspension. I don't think he had missed a league game. Um, mm. The fact is that there's the uh, there's an awful lot being covered up at Manchester United um, with regards to you know who's who, where the finger of blame is being laid. Um, it seems to be it seems to be that the manager can point the finger at everybody on the pitch, but the finger never ever gets pointed at him, and that's 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 always the way with him, and then eventually he gets caught out, uh, as happened to Chelsea when he was winning the league, and eventually he gets caught out in the sack him, you know, because mm-hmm. suddenly going, hang on a minute, after three seasons, there's a rabbit off here, you know, and, he, and then he opens his mouth, and then he takes the he takes the money, and he and he goes somewhere else, you know, he takes the twenty four no. million and and tottles off to to mm-hmm. Madrid or tottles off to to Italy, you know, to Milan or wherever, you know. Aye. Do you think that's stupid? Do you think it's a good shout that if you obviously Newcastle go up, we should be looking at players like the fact looks of Matter, because I know he was being linked. Um, you know, even though he he seems to be, I think he's out for the season now for Man United, but they they'll definitely miss him. He, he could be a and plus we've been linked with that uh, player. Um, I think Callum Chambers is it uh, mm. of uh, Middlesbrough from Arsenal. Interest interesting. Uh, links, but obviously the, the matter we're looking at. It looks like, looks to me anyway, that the players being linked with it's it, it's definitely a cross section of players. Um, no, there'll be a, there'll be a list as long as you're all of players that are allegedly being looked at. Yeah, well, we would throw Gibson at Burad into the mix if we mm-hmm. like get if 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 Burad get relegated. Is he the sort of defender that that Rafa's looking for? He's mobile. He's quick. He's strong. He seems to dominate. Um, you know, but they don't seem to, they don't seem to leak goals that often. Um, the the Boras problem seems to be that they cannot score them. You know, um, and the lads just sneaked into the England squad, yes, mm-hmm. through injury. But hey, you take your chance if the opportunity comes along. Maybe he's the sort of player that we we'll go going for. Um, there, there, there's other players knocking around. There's a couple. There's a couple of decent players at Hull that, that, that have been linked with. But I think they'll be. I think the list will be long, and I think it's going to be a long and laborious. Um, yeah. 
time during the close season where the Chronicle is just going to have to to feed off the scraps of, yeah. of Twitter and who's been spotted in a chip shop somewhere, to be perfectly honest, you know, until until we have, a, have any idea, ah. you know, when we all come back in the close season and, and who's turning it's, up, you know. It's the age-old, not, he's not been signed until he's spotted in KFC at the top of Northumberland Street, isn't That's it? That's right, it's, exactly, yeah. Um, uh, chip shop on, on the West Road. <laughs> uh, it, 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 I think you're right about being long and laborious, and I think... There are some publications will take the uh, the old school scattergun approach. They'll name 200 names, and then when one of them comes up, they'll say, "Say we told you first. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think we'll be we'll be linked with everybody in their dog. Um, anybody who's formerly played for Rafa, anyway. Um, anybody who's English. Anybody who's under under the age of 24. Yeah. You know, it, 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 it'll be endless." Um, but equally, you can guarantee the ones that he does say, and I bet he's done his bloody homework on, because he <laughs> seems to, he seems to just analyse to the nth degree. Yeah. Well, obviously, it depends. If, if you know, we have to wait and see after the, the fact that we, nobody came in and the conundrum that's going to be if he, if you know, he's allowed to give money. Um, this is to me, it's always going to be the bugbear, isn't it? Because you know, I think we'll find out pretty quickly. What's going to happen with Rafa Benitez? That link with West Ham's not going away. Um, keeps on. It's every week, not every day, but it seems. You know, I think it's quite disparaging. Don't read, don't read the London and, papers, man, Andrew. Don't read the London papers. This is London the, the link. The links of the links of Rafa in in West Ham. Um, you 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 get drawn into this. Why why aren't you talking about the story that was in the Times yesterday that said that uh, Rafa Stam? That was the article in the Times that that interested me. That that got me more. got me more excited than the than the one that that, that talked in the, on the back of the Daily Mirror or the inside mm-hmm. cover of the of the Mail um, from some London reporter that that suddenly starts up. Um, because the likes of Ian Wright says, oh, yes, they've, they've given a vote of confidence to, to, to Billich, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so he must be going to go to uh, to West Ham instead, you know. So it's interesting I, I, when, I heard, when I heard that about, um, about Billich and the Kim, this is a problem. Well, it's a good thing and a bad thing, but with West Ham, because the chairman's on Twitter, the son's on Twitter, um, it, they seem to be one of those clubs that, Yes, it's yep. good that they're out there and they're talking with the fans. But um, yeah, the chief executive has a newspaper article. You know, yeah. the chief executive writes for one of the biggest newspapers in the country, and she has an article in every week where she doesn't talk about the Apprentice and she doesn't talk about what she's supposed to be doing in the in the House of Lords, picking up three hundred pound every time she turns up. What she talks about is other people's football clubs. Yeah. How many how many chairmen out there? Do we know how many chief executives of football clubs in the Premier League do we know that go regularly to the newspapers talking about other football clubs and talking about players from other clubs? You know, um, it, it, it baffles me. Well, it doesn't baffle it, it bloody annoys us. <laughs> you know, that we get Karen Brady all over the newspaper. That's why people don't buy them. We, we, we shouldn't be bothered. We shouldn't be listening to this rubbish, you know. We should be concentrating on the fact that we... You know? I did love the Andy Carroll finish, even though they, they, they got beat. But, um, it was a lovely goal, you're right. It was a lovely goal. goal. But and Andy Carroll scored some great goals this season. 
Mm. You know, maybe it's Andy Carroll. Can we add Andy Carroll to that list of 200 players, uh, Neil? <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Can the NHS of Newcastle afford Andy Carroll? <laughs> Makes you wonder. <laughs> I love. I must say, just for the the fact that he, you know, for me, it's a mass massive error when he left anyway. But that that's I think that's a good thing, isn't it? We are looking because Newcastle are looking. You know, I think. Wednesday against Burton, is it? If, to win that game uh, would, would be very, very good because I think um, the fact that, that you know, I, I, I suspect, uh, obviously Dal wasn't involved, but I think he had a call strain, he pulled out the Republic Ireland team, um, so obviously Mitrovic, uh, not Mitrovic, um, um, Mitrovic was, was on the bench, so he, he is going quite like for like. And the one thing I noticed about Gale when he scored, normally he runs around, isn't he? But he's, you know, he, he seems to, he seems to be stopping himself from going a bit crazy, running around, because I think that break definitely came and helped helped the club, didn't it, Neil? I think well, I think the break came in just a nice time. Let we get, uh, you know, get our breath, get a few few close or back to fitness, because um, we've now got what it's it's six games. In April, six in about seven, including the the game we just played in April, mm-hmm. um, and we probably have the deepest and fittest squad of the, the the teams in that top half now. Um, you know, Brighton have lost a couple. Um, Huddersfield uh, yeah. did. Huddersfield have lost a couple. You're right. You know, so it it, it it's gonna make it make a difference. Yeah, I think that I, I must. Say, I did think if we win the two games, I think that's us kind of out of the sight. I think it just depends on Huddersfield because I think obviously they've got an extra game. But uh, I must admit, um, for Huddersfield, I think it's actually. I actually thought Leeds were going to, um, you know, come up and really start to rattle us. But but they they again they they, they seem to. Have, um, it, the players are, some players don't want to play. It's interesting. It's always not, not in the Yorkshire teams. There's always something going on, uh, you know, behind the scenes with with, with them. But um, you, you, like I must admit, I did think Brighton would start to slow down. I did think they would um, more or less start to peter out. But that's, I think they they won in the weekend, didn't they? So uh, are they playing Wednesday? Does anybody know? Are Brighton what playing on Wednesday or Tuesday? Uh, I'd have to, I'd have to dig through me fixtures. I can't remember off the top of my head. Well, give us two seconds. Yeah, I think I'll tell you. Brighton play for Birmingham at home on Tuesday. Okay. It'd be an interesting one for them, wouldn't it? That's the thing. That, that's probably the good thing now, isn't it? It's not a question of uh, thinking about um, about Brighton, which I think everybody was getting caught up because the other teams were catching us up. But I know mm. you've got to go to a thing. Uh, Steve, are you there? Are you going to do yeah. thing? No, no, I'm right, still here. Yeah. Well, like, I'm going to bring in the next caller this evening, and that's uh, Chris Parry calling from the USA. Good, good evening, Chris. How are you? Good evening, guys. So oh, tell Chris. me. Hi, Chris. So tell me, what did you think uh, of the performance, and uh, do you think it was a penalty? I I think it was. Uh, can I have more of that, please? I don't really care how good the performance was. All I care about is that they won two to one. They got three points and that they're they're pushing further for uh you know for promotion. 
I mean, we, you know, we've talked all season, guys. I, if if they play attractive football and lose, I'm going to call up here and be angry. You know, I'd rather them play unattractive football and and win. Uh, the penalty's interesting because I've seen a couple replays of it. It, uh, it 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 could easily have been called, but at the same time, I don't know. It does kind of look a little bit like Richie was looking for it. So like he kind of he kind of pulled a Cristiano Ronaldo when he played for Manchester United, you know, and he'd sit there and he'd just wrap that leg around and then and take a, and take a swan dive. But it's, I have seen it given many, many times. The good thing is it didn't really matter. Newcastle still won the game. Yeah, it was, uh, I think that's it when you can, but it's, it's, okay, you see the outtakes and I think the one thing that hasn't been answered really, and I've answered a few times, that before the, the crowd is, the crowd is still quiet, isn't it, Steve? It's yeah, the crowd's quiet. Well, you know what it is? <laughs> you, you, can do any, you can do as much as you want to try and G up a crowd, but the only thing that G's up a crowd, to be honest, is the performance on the pitch. Whether it's, whether it's a referee's decision that gets you all worked up, whether it's goals, whether it's, whether it's incidents. And quite often, these games in this league are, are almost acts of attrition, you know, it's, it's very much a case of, you know, the, if the opposition's not going to come out and play for, for 80 odd minutes, and they're going to sit back, and you're going to try and break them down, and they're, and they're big, and they're physical, and, and they're rough, it, become, it becomes very, very difficult to, to do that, and, and the way Rafa plays, he plays like a possession game, and the ball gets tapped around, and it's very much a sort of, you know, all of a sudden, wham, wham, you're straight in, you're trying to like, Sort of, you, you created a gap and you're going to go for it, and it, and it's very much like a game of chess at the moment, and uh, and obviously at the same time Rafa's not trying to let his team give anything away, so we, we do play very very tight, we do play very possessive, um, and and you know we, we've got to get used to it, we've got to get used to that style of football. It's it's not the entertainers in 1993, 92 season. It's uh, it's quite the opposite, you know. Um, the league's not like it used to be. Football's not like it used to be. So <laughs> I'm quite no, happy. I'm hey, quite Steve, happy though. Steve, Sorry? you're right on it though, because I mean the Premiership in general is not the entertainers anymore. I mean, uh, you know, we've got two leagues being shown here in the states right now. We've got you know the Premiership, and then we've got the German Bundesliga. Now, I'm not a huge German Bundesliga fan, like I don't. But I have to admit, every single match that I have turned on on Fox Sports 1, which is our little channel here that shows it, it is just electric. The crowds yeah. are singing nonstop. There's flags everywhere. And I mean, we're not talking Bayern Munich here. We're talking Schalke against, you know, against somebody else. It yeah. was, uh, and then it's so funny because I go from that channel where I'm watching where the crowd's going nuts and everyone's going crazy, and I turn it over on uh, to another channel, which is Chelsea, which is Chelsea and and it's like it's a library. <laughs> Chelsea are the league leaders. It's unreal. I mean, it's just now there's anticipation. People are kind of watching and they're anticipating and stuff. And of course, they get into it and start screaming and yelling. But I, I guess it's just a different. It's just a different mentality now in, in the UK where you do not have those fans that are going to sing from moments the ball's kicked off until the until the you know, until the game is over with. They're just going to kind of. Kind of, it's almost like a little. I have to admit, Andrew, it's almost a little bit like a baseball game where the fans are watching and there's anticipating and there's a buzz around the around the stadium, but there's really not that much noise until there's something to be noise about. 
that's true. And if you go to Schalke or you know one of these other German grounds, you see it, and it's it's an occasion outside the ground as well. Mm-hmm. You know, the grounds out of town. You get the you get the train there, or the or the tram. Um, you get there, and there's a huge fan zone that everybody congregates around, and then eventually you queue up and get searched. And you get into the into the ground itself, and then you walk in. And you know the people being being inside, a bit like the Turks. You know they've got the flags going, they've got the horns and the hooters going. But then once the game's over, there, there is almost a ritual that that takes place where the players are still on the pitch 10, 15 minutes after the game. They do a they do a lap of honour. They, they they congregate in the centre spot. They wave to the entire crowd. Then they walk around the pitch. Then they go up to the big singing singing wall that they have at the far end. And then one of the players goes into the stand and gets a microphone and he has to do a little speech to the crowd and everybody's up for it. Mm. You're, there for, you're there for a good half hour after the match as well, you know, but it's, it's a totally different setup that they have over there, you know. Um, it's shitty, well, isn't it? You have to go to appreciate it. You have to go to sort of get, a, get an idea of what, what, what's going on there, you know. Um, and... It, it's it's uh, it, it's fab- it's fabulous. I mean, it's brilliant. Um, whether that could ever be replicated in, in this country, I um, I don't know. I'm, you know, we we, we sit in the pub beforehand. We're turning up with St James. There's five minutes to go. The lads have got the flags from fifteen minutes to go, and you know, even they've struggled to find people who will, you know, even wave a flag in the Gallagher mm-hmm. end. You know, they've got, they've got over two hundred odd flags that they can wave, and you know that. At, at times, have struggled to get, to get people to even do that, and then when they have managed to get people, we've had people who have nicked them and taken them away. <laughs> you know, it's just, it, it just it just beggars belief yeah. at times. You know. What, what do you think, uh, Chris? When you when you, it's nice to see Gail back back in the team and um, fight, scoring a goal, isn't it? Twenty two goals the season. Um, you know, you, you 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 can just imagine once we, I think once we more or less looked like we're up. Newcastle might play with a bit more freedom. Well, yeah, and honestly, I think we all talked about this. I don't think it's even close. I mean, I think Newcastle is 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 away is away and probably you know eight to nine points clear of even Brighton if Gale is healthy throughout the season. But you know that happens. They were able to they were able to weather the storm of, of not having their top their top choice striker. Now they've got him back, and they need to you know they need to get results and 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 get done with this. But uh, but not to, to to Steve's point. I mean, guys, this is crazy, and I never thought I'd say this, but there are major league soccer stadiums right now that are providing better atmosphere than 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 EPL than than uh, stadiums in the UK. And I never thought I'd say that. Like, if you go to a Seattle Sounders game or a Portland Timbers game up there, I mean, because we can see it on TV, and they're going nuts. You know, they're having. I mean, they're just having. I mean, it's just nonstop. Everyone's having a blast. And uh, if you could not, I mean, if you couldn't provide noise for that Chelsea Crystal Palace game, you didn't have a pulse. I mean, Chelsea <laughs> was all over them. They just couldn't score. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, it was uh, it was amazing to watch that team. I was like, you know, those fans are coming out of that stadium and they're mad because their team lost. But my goodness gracious, did they show how dominant they were? <laughs> Sometimes yeah. it's just not your day. Exactly. One of our one of our, Andrew's earlier callers from Sunderland was saying how great Allardyce is. <laughs> and, and his, team, his team got ran over, um, kicked, punched, 
completely, you know, done over and then managed to score two goals in two minutes and walked away with three points, you know. Mm-hmm. There was a smash and then basically put and ten people behind the ball, <laughs> yep. you know, after that. <laughs> Yeah, but that's what that's what Sunderland want, isn't it? You know. <laughs> I know. It's a, I know. Well, that's the thing. You have to. You can't have it both ways. And I think Newcastle fans need to realize this too. And my and I do as well. That do you want to play winning football or do you want to play entertaining football? Okay, because yeah. right now it seems like those two things are not mutually exclusive. It's you know we all loved Blackpool when Blackpool was in the Premiership. You know the oranges and they hey everyone loved watching. Yeah, they went down after one yeah. season too. You know, I mean, they got relegated because that entertaining football didn't didn't even worry about playing defense. Uh, exactly. And, and, and I, I think that we have to kind of think about that. Yeah, and you summed it up right at the very beginning when he said, you know what, I'm not really bothered because the main priority this season is to get back into the Premier League and whether we play horrible football um, and and we, we're hating every second of what we're seeing until the whistle goes and we walk away with the three points. It doesn't really matter. As long as we get those three points and we go up, Exactly. I think that's it. That's it. People can, like obviously, you see a lot of people moaning about the, the atmosphere, but Newcastle fans, Newcastle fans aren't daft. They know what they're watching. <laughs> you know, it's, well, it's, the, it's the end. You, it's the end goal of what we want. What we want to happen. You, 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 you say that about watching Andrew, but the, the, the feedback I'm getting is there's the disproportionate amount of people spend most of the match on their bloody smartphones. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's true. Yeah, and I bet you, I bet you, that's what's going on across sports in general. People, yeah. people are not. You know, like they have to put so much nets up. They have, guys, they have to put so many nets up now in baseball games because people keep getting drilled with the ball because they're not watching the stupid <laughs> baseball game that's right in front of them. Yeah, you know, you're too busy looking at your phone while you're there. And I, who knows, I may be the same way if when I go to a game too because we're just so programmed now to do it. But you're right. I, 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 uh, one of my, uh, someone here, guys in Texas, went to Wembley, and they went and watched England versus who was it? Who'd you guys play? Y'all beat somebody bad. Who was it? Uh, Luxembourg or Lithuania or something like that. But anyway, he said that it, he said it was great because. One thing he thought was awesome is the screens at Wembley have very have one you know they have both rosters which I guess they probably do this at St James and then the screen at Wembley has a very very distinct succinct message the game is on the pitch you know stop looking up here to try to watch the game look down below because that's in America everyone's looking at the darn screen to watch the action instead of looking down and the action's right in front of them it it just makes no sense. It's amazing. You know, that, that's funny you should say that because I remember when we went to 2000, I think it was 2005, we went to the semi-final at, uh, at the, uh, uh, in Wales at Cardiff and I remember watching the game and it was the first time I'd experienced a game where there was a big screen in front of us at the far end and, it, and it, you're consciously trying to take your eyes off it. You're trying to stop yourself from looking at it. It was so distracting. It was so, it was so odd to, to be in that situation, you know. It was... Uh, it was it was ridiculous. And I, I remember coming away thinking that well, the the the, the, the result was bad enough. We got beat four one. But what was worse is that I kept having to look at Liddy Telly. I was catching. I was catching the eye continuously. You know. I was going to. I'm going to bring Lee Johnson in now. Tell me, Lee, what was your reaction to to um, I think to to the match and the atmosphere and like Chris just says uh, from Dallas just says, well, you know, it's the it's the end result that matters. But, are you seeing many people like um, Steve just said? No, not many people are with the flags. Me? 
I don't know. I think you might have too many people. You might have too many people on now. Yeah, I'll tell you, I'll, I'll, I'll pull off that because I'm, I'm in the tone. And well, no, hey, Steve, Steve, hang on. Hey, Steve, Steve, hang on for one second because I wanted to follow up on what you just said. You talk about distracting. Try going to a game at AT&T Stadium here in, in, uh, in Arlington, you know, the Dallas Cowboys play, with that yeah. screen that's right in front of your face that's 80 <laughs> yards wide. I mean, you sit there and you have to do everything you can not to look straight. You just like to look down. <laughs> you know, you pay all this money for the ticket so you could watch the screen when you could have just freaking watched the screen at home for free. Yeah, but one of the advantages of the screen at the Dallas Cowboys is you do have the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders when the yeah. You do. They do them. make sure that the cheerleaders are well taken care of. They, they do show them every chance they get. <laughs> thanks a lot Steve I'll catch you next All week of us, Cheers, guys. Uh, Cheers, uh, see you guys later Cheers. see you Steve uh, so Lee uh, you, Hello. you're there sorry I was uh, I was chatting to the wife there I didn't realise you could hear us okay, no problem <laughs> we all have a thing so tell me obviously with the flags and uh, the atmosphere tell, give me your take because obviously Chris just mentioned there about the fact does it really matter if we're winning but somewhere along the line you've got to have a a nice blend of both, haven't you? Well, uh, the atmosphere again, the ground. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, I, I still think I'm, I mean, I'm, I still say about the atmosphere, I think Newcastle fans are always better when we, um, when they go to the match and think maybe they're the underdogs. I always think the, the atmosphere seems to be better. A lot of times this season, obviously, there's been people People turn up the ground thinking Newcastle's going to win threes, fours, and fives, and I think obviously that has probably um, had an effect on the atmosphere. The atmosphere was reasonable on Saturday, but I think that's pretty much most modern-day stadiums these days, Andrew. You know, I don't think it's just Newcastle um, that's got that problem as such, because obviously, you know, take the away fans. I've been over quite a few away games this season. I'm away to Sheffield on Saturday. I, I, you know, it's people have, you know, you've got mainly 3,000 people um, at an away game, a lot of them boozed up and they just continuously sing for, you know, 90 minutes and things like that. You, you, don't, you don't necessarily get that out of 52,000 fans. So I, I, I do think it's always better when the atmosphere is against us. It's a little bit edgy on Saturday, but a little bit nervy. Um, that's to be expected. There was, a jet, there was a massive outpouring of release of noise, I think, when Matt Ritchie scored. I was screaming my head off. Um, but... I, I think it's like I said, it's it's most modern day stadiums these days, Andrew. Sadly. Yeah, it's, it's that, that's the thing. It's like you know, I normally when you have score, you hear the I always hear the roar here in Gator, and you know maybe it's the maybe it's the night game, but I don't hear that the roar that I would normally hear. You know that you would it would reverberate around the town centre. So um, as you said, people are changing. I think I think it's it's, it's interesting what he said about. When uh, when Steve said when you go to the match you got your smartphone with you like I I, I must be in Newcastle yeah, to get a signal anyway in that ground is I I've always found it's quite impossible uh, but it, I would never look at it unless actually the only time I used to watch, look at my phone was an FA Cup game it was a, a bit more uh, just, I would just, it wasn't as much as full on as what it is in, in the, when we were in the Premier League. Um. I mean, I, I, I've got my phone, but I only normally check it if I want to check my bet. <laughs> for, not, for nothing else. Um, so, I mean, I don't really look at my phone unless I'm thinking, oh, how's the other team doing? I've checked it a couple of times just to see how Huddersfield and um, see how Huddersfield and um, Brighton's been getting on. Uh, you know, 
um, you know, when we were 1-0 up, I think I checked. And then when we went 2-1 up, I think I checked. Um, and then obviously I checked when the, when the game finished. Um, so it's handy. I, sitting, there, <laughs> sitting there and playing on games at the match, well, you should literally be bounced down to the football and kick straight out. Um, but uh, it's, it's, it's modern. That, again, Adam, Andrew, it's just modern day. People didn't used to have mobile phones at work, did they? Yeah, who do you think stood out on Saturday? Because I, I did love that. As I'm sure that Chris saw the goal, the winning goal by. Um, by uh, the, the guy who scored it stood out. He's outstanding. Yeah. He's outstanding. He's work rate. Well, he runs his he runs his socks off. Yeah. He does from start to great. finish. I mean, he really Fantastic does. Fantastic, Chris. It's great to see compared to the likes of Musa Sissoko. See, Matt Ritchie, you know, he never the kid never stops grafting. He never stops um, snarling, shouting, screaming. He, you know, he. He epitomized, he's epitomized this team this season. You know, there's been a lot of grit and determination about this team, regardless of what people think. And that's why we sit top of the league. Um, he's great. I love the lad. He's, it's just nice to see someone who actually takes pride in what he's actually doing on the football field, unlike that absolute fraud that we had last year, who we managed to rob 30 million off Tottenham for. Well, now you guys, you know, guys, he's kind of our Kevin Nolan, to be honest with you. He's our new Kevin yeah. Nolan. Because I mean that's that's what Ke- that's 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 what Nolan just reminded me. He was a guy that would just do anything and everything for the shirt, and I think that's why Newcastle did so well in the championship the last time. And I think Rafa deserves a lot of credit for going and getting that guy, you know, getting that guy that can bring us through the you know through the league this time. Because if there's one thing I've learned, this league is not easy. I thought this league was a lot easier than it was. Uh, I, I've been impressed with the play. I've been impressed with how teams just come at Newcastle with no fear whatsoever. Maybe it's because games are on TV and they can see everybody, they can scout, so there's no longer a fear factor when you come to St. James's Park. But you guys have to admit, teams come to St. James's Park to get all three points now. Yeah, yeah I think it's, it's definitely... Um, I've, I've, actually, I've, got to, I've got to bring up the noise thing to, to both of you. I'll go to Chris first. When it, obviously, when it comes to the issue of talking, the way that you know, the way that managers talk, have you seen that one, Chris? Because um, I think it's been dealt with more or less here. But were you surprised at this, what it what it was like in the US compared to talk when it comes to after a game, or is it? Do you, do you get this, obviously you you think the same emotion, but in America they seem pretty restrained. Well, you talking about coaches? You talking about Rafa talking yeah. after the match? No, it was more. Well, I mean, you know, you get those you get those press conferences, and of course, some of them are very, very memorable, where coaches just go off or or, or something. You know, a lot of times, you'll just get your standard. You know, but every, you know, every coach gives a press conference at the end of, at the end of a match. There's not really like in soccer where they kind of walk and have to stand in front of a wall and start talking. You know, they actually have a press conference at the end, and the players usually go into the locker room and actually talk to the players afterwards. But uh, it does seem from what I'm reading, guys, that, that, that Rafa is staying and that, uh, and that there's going to be a tra- there are plenty of money for transfers uh, in the summertime. But uh, at the same time, I've, like I said, I found myself respecting this league. I'd like to get out of it. I'd like to get to the premiership just for my own you know, selfish, selfish reasons. I like to watch Newcastle on TV. And I can't watch Newcastle on TV right now, as long as they're in this, uh, you know, as long as they're in the, ch- as long as they're in this league. But uh, I- I've been impressed with this league. I really have. It's it's a lot better than I thought it was. I'd say it's, I'd say it's one of the better leagues in the in in, in you know in the in the world, to be honest with you, especially for a for you know kind of for a second division. It's 
Okay, I was thinking, what do you think, uh, Lee? Well, I'm done asking you. you it, this, this league is more or less a game of attrition, um, but it, it, it's obviously, I expect to be a bit more flowing than what it actually is. What do you think, Lee? Well, I mean, in terms of us this season, the biggest problem we've had is I think everyone who plays us um, raises their game against us. <clears throat> and that's why I think we've done so well this season. It is, well, as Chris, as Chris has said there, it is a tough league. Um, just a conversation with a, a couple of Sullen fans over the weekend. Sullen fans were telling me they didn't think it was a tough league. And I said, well, you will see next season how tough it is. Well, I hope you do. Um, because, you know, it's easy, it's easy having... I don't think any club in Championship history or First Division, since it's been the First Division or whatever, has had the pressure... Um, from the offset, when the season kicked off, put on their team to get promotion, un this, unlike this Newcastle United team, with Rafael Benitez being his manager. And that's why I think we've done particularly well this season. And yeah, as Chris said, it's a, it's a very, it's a good standard. It's a reasonable standard. It's certainly better than the Scottish Premiership. Um, so, you know, we're, we're, do we're doing well to get out of it. It's been quite competitive. It does seem like it's harder this time than it was last time too. I mean, I I know that I know that they, you know Newcastle may have the same kind of points, but it just seemed like when you're playing the Cardiffs and the things, I yeah, the, it just seemed like it was so much. It wasn't as I, I didn't feel each week like golly, is Newcastle going to pull this off? Like I yeah. did, like I did six years ago, where I just knew they were going to show up on the pitch and win yeah. three nothing or four nothing. Yeah, every once in a while they'd have a decent you know a game when someone would give them a decent uh, fight, but it, it just seemed like Newcastle always was in control when they were there, when they were in the championship, you know, you know five, six years ago. I think we had a, I think we had a possible, I think we had a probably better squad of players then, Chris. I think we had a better team, certainly first 11 then. Carol and Lovenkrantz up front were absolutely devastating. We just scored goals. From yeah, Carol was fantastic. Yeah, you're right. You know, I, I, think, I think we had actually a better squad of players. That's why I think we've done so well this season because everyone says, oh, we've spent money, we've done this. Rafa brought in about six or seven new players and we managed to integrate them. We didn't really sign a lot of footballs when we got relegated from the Premier League last time. Um, you know, we, we got to Christmas, I remember, under Hutton, where we were quite defensively strong. And we signed, um, we signed Routledge. Routledge came in from QPR and he, and he really was a game changer. And I think that's what Rafa tried to do by signing Townsend. Yeah. But obviously we never got him in. Um, and then he had Carroll and Lovenkrantz up front. And them lads were scoring goals for fun where we've... We've been basically built on solid foundations this season. Keep it tight, try and get the first goal, and then build from there. So uh, that's why I think this season has been so impressive. On, that, on the basis of the fact that I don't think there's been ever a team with so much pressure on it, say they definitely have to go, this season, go up this season. Mainly because Rafa stayed. Yeah, I think it's interesting that, like, obviously, news are coming out that, uh, from Martin Hardy that, that it looks like Rafa is staying, even though it's completely different to what I heard. But um, I think the one thing I took from today, I think there was an under-21 game today, and Lee Charnley and Rafa was at that game together, side-by-side, uh, side, uh, obviously talking about um, looking at the team. Um, the one thing I think happened at the end of the season, I, I can't say Newcastle keeping Atsu. Something about that one. I, I think Newcastle have got the, probably the better end of that deal. Um, but I'm not sure if, if there's a Neil might know this, but um, if there's a, a deal in place at the end of the season that it turns to permanent automatically, I'm not sure if anybody knows if that's the case. 
for the silence, I guess nobody does. Nobody knows what it is. No, no, I mean, I wouldn't you ask that to me or Lee. No, I, I mean, Atsu has been good when he's been called upon. They, they seem like they want to use him as a sub more than as a starter. I don't know. You never know with managers. Sometimes sometimes the gaffer just thinks a player, like a lot of times I think players should be starters, and yet they're always being used off the bench. You know, I mean, uh, you know, case in point, I don't know what the heck Arsene Wenger is doing with, uh, you know, with, uh, with, you know, with, his, with LaRue, you know, bringing Giroux off the bench. When he's been one of France's one forwards who can score goals all the time, yeah, it's just uh, it, it's just one of those things. You know, a manager gets into his mind that that's what he wants. You know, he I think Atsu should start every game. That's that's kind of what I think. I think he gives so much. He gives so he could have. I think Richie should be on one side, and I think Atsu should be on the other. But I'm not the coach, and the coach has Newcastle in the, in the first place. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I like Atsu. I like Atsu, but uh, I. It'll be interesting to see what happens in the summer. I mean, we gen- I think we, we, I mean, obviously if we go, we generally need pace. I think that's obviously something we lack. I would say probably Astu and Gedlin probably are the most mobile players along with Gale. But if you look at the better sides in the Premier League, in terms of pace-wise, if you, certainly if you look at Chelsea, their mobility, their movement, I would say Liverpool with Mar- that front three of Marnie, Coutinho and Flamini, you know, we will definitely have to add some legs just to give us that little bit more pace, um, certainly through midfield into attack. So, uh, very inter- it's going to be a very interesting summer, I think, obviously, if we get promoted. I'll still say if, because it's still an if, but, you know, I, I think the club, I think Rafa and the club will be talking, secretly behind the scenes, about where we're going to, what, what, you know, what, where we're going to take this and how we're going to take this. I just hope that... Mike Ashley gets on board because, you know, I keep saying it, you've heard it say it many times, Newcastle can be what it wants to be, and if Mike Ashley taps into that, um, Mike Ashley can make a lot of money on Newcastle United. So if we can get promoted first, um, I think I'll be, <laughs> and we know that is staying, it could be a very exciting time. What do you think, Neil, on Atsu? Do you like him? Atsu. Yeah, Neil, Neil, do you like Atsu? Yeah, I do, actually. Um... I quite like he he, he, he he just looks like he's got potential, to, you know, to to, to 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 kick on. I like his pace. I think uh, uh, his involvement in that that the second goal down at Brighton. Uh, you know the way he took he took that that crossfield ball from Richie and put it on a plate for Perez. And I think uh, he he seems to be making the right noises about wanting to stay and wanting to you know. Um, and, and and he's one another one could surprise people because he's got the one thing that defenders don't like and that's a lot of pace. Yeah, absolutely. And and he's got that little flair quality that I think some I think Newcastle is lacking a little bit. You know, Yosi Perez was giving Newcastle that flair, you know, for a couple of years, but I don't know, maybe he just doesn't seem like he's doing as much of it now. But uh, Atsu definitely he, gives you that flair. Yeah, I think on Perez um I'm not. I'm, I'm not sure that they to keep Perez. Um, it's one of them things that the good, the good thing for Perez is he's a young. Is a young lad, I think. But I, I'm not sure that um, you know. Def, I, in this league, he'll play him once in a while. But I, I think in the Premiership, he'll, he'll struggle to to make the bench. What do you think, Lee? You fan of Perez? Um, Perez. Uh, when we first signed Perez, Perez thought when he was chucked in right at the deep end when he he wasn't going to play a lot of games, I don't think, but he had to come in. Perez was absolutely outstanding in that first season. He was one of the main reasons why he actually stayed in the league. Um, 
for some reason, or one reason or other, it's like he's lost a yard of pace. He's, you know, he's, he's inve- he was inventive, he was off the he was off the hook. He used to do things out of nothing, and he was playing up front sometimes on his own, and he was mm-hmm. doing well against some big centre horse. But for whatever reason, he seems to have lost that. I, I don't know with him. I really don't know with him. I really don't know with him. But uh, I, I don't know. I, I, again, I, I think if you're looking at Rafa, I think Perez's mm-hmm. ideal role is probably number a number ten role, Andrew. Mm-hmm. And I think that would be Rafa's priority. Me. Um, in terms of looking to get a, get a player into that particular role, the way he likes to play, so Perez might not be part of the long term future, but it'd certainly be good to keep around and try and keep developing because he's only a young lad. Well, no, that's true, guys. But if if he but he is going to play number ten role, he has to get a little bit more solid. I mean, he can't just be getting taken off the ball because that's uh, that's that's something that Newcastle desperately needs. If they're going to get, they do need. I think they they have needed a number ten role now for a while. Okay. They really yeah, have. We see I mean, player more more number ten potentially than bloody stagecoach buses. You know, there, there seems to be another one played in the, the number ten role, and and now it's, it's got the point where everybody's borderline obsessed about it. Um, and I think the play he plays off the striker depends on the player that's playing up front, and I think he has pairs in mind and partnerships in mind. And this one will work with that one, and that one will work with this one, um, and then mix it up. Um, but I think we're all pretty much sorted in my head that the way Rafa's going to play is one up front. And I think that adds a much bigger weight on that secondary striker than number 10 or whatever you want to call him. The false eight and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, to, to be able to add to goal threat. And, and I think that's the one thing for me I always he's not delivered enough of this season mm-hmm. is but by God, when he has done, he's scored some crackers and he's scored some important goals. So he's a bit of a bit of a conundrum for me. He's interesting. No, you're right. I mean, and guys, the, the midfield goal threat too. The midfield goal threat Newcastle have really lacked since since Kevin Nolan left. Uh, they just haven't had that no, guy. I agree with that. that when the ball goes out, when the ball goes out there, that you know, it, it seems like if it's not the forward or if it's Richie coming down the sides. I really, I think they need a central midfield goal threat, and we've thought we've talked about this for years, fellas. And I think that that's something they're going to have to have if they're going to kick on in the Premiership. Yeah, there'll be a lot of players. There'll be a lot of players. Like, I think there'll be a lot of players. Like, I think Daryl Murphy, for one, I think he signed a two-year deal. Um, this, this is the thing is that with Mitrovic. If, do, you, do you think he'll stay late? Because I don't think he'll stay. No, the, they've come out the Chronicle and said he is. I don't think he's staying whatsoever. I'd be, I'd be surprised, Andrew. He hasn't played a lot of games in this league, has he? Sure. Yeah. Uh, Rafa Cleedy doesn't, for whatever reason, mm. Rafa Cleedy doesn't fancy him. So you pr- I, I'd be surprised if he's here next season. Now, I mean, I've always, I mean, like, like most fans, I want the lad to do well. But, um, but given, do I trust Rafa's? Do I trust Rafa over myself? Yes, I do. And, uh, and I believe if Rafa did get rid of him and we got decent money for him, you know, we would buy players to improve us, you know what I mean? So I, I, if he did go, it would be for the benefit of the squad, I think, because obviously we would look to improve the squad with the money that we would bring in for him. Lee Andrew Neal, isn't it amazing how well he plays internationally? Yeah. And then and it, it yeah. seems like it's, it's a different player. 
I mean, the, the, the goal he scored was just top draw. I'm like, where is this guy whenever Newcastle need him? It's, 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 maybe it's just a confidence factor. I don't know. Um, what's his international manager doing to him? And how's he, how's he handling him? And what's he doing behind the scenes? Is he somebody that he just really knows how to get into his head and get the best out of him? You don't know what dynamics going on at international level for him. A uh, passionate player, perhaps he just enjoys playing for his country a lot. Do you think he'll make a, a few changes on, on um, Wednesday? To, like, I, I kept on thinking, remember, has he, got a, he had a really good chance of getting in at the weekend. Of course, he, he was on the bench again. So, it just shows, isn't it? You know, with the injuries, he's still not going with him, is he? Well, you talk about being in the wilderness. Yeah. Chancel and Bemba's in the wilderness. <laughs> definitely, definitely is, and... He, he, he took it well, I have to say, hasn't he? You, you would think, I think he'll play him, but I don't think he'll, I think he'll wait till we're mathematically up before he actually starts to play him. But it would be interesting to see him either bring him, bring him, bring him in as a defender or put him near the midfield. But um, I, I, I expect to see Hayden. Uh, what do you think about Hayden on Saturday? Because he, he, he came on for a bit, didn't he, Lee? Yeah, Hayden did well when he came on on Saturday. Cause he's yeah, he did well. We've missed him. We've missed him. Well, I think he's We've missed him. Yeah, I mean. Yes, you know he's more. He's a he's a he's only a young lad, Neil. Um, right. He's been, you know, he's he's had a good grounding at Arsenal under um, Arsene Wenger. You know, we we we've got a good player there. He's, no he's well liked. He's well. Seems to be well liked amongst the England under twenty one camp. They seem to have a lot of time for the lad. Well, I watched his uh, interview. I watched his interview Neil the other day on uh, NFC TV when he was over the food bank. Uh, mm-hmm. He seemed really, really, really down to work, really genuine, really actually getting involved in what he was seeing. Um, that's good. Mm-hmm. You like that? That's what you want. We that that's been our biggest problem oh, for the last few years. That's been our biggest problem. For, that's a, that's one of the reasons why we've got relegated. You know, we what we we need. We need no, you no, no, guys, you're right because as much as as much as. We kind of he drove us nuts a little bit because he might not score the most goals. I mean, Sholami Obi was you know was kind of the heart of the team. You know those those type of players. Uh, you know the Kevin Nolans. As much as Barton drove us crazy, you know Barton as well. They they don't have they haven't had those kind of guys. They've had the mercenary. Let's get the money and let's look for the stepping stone and let's try to get to Tottenham or Arsenal or you know or or man you know as fast as we possibly can and that's what's that's what's hurt Newcastle and I'm hoping I'll leave you guys with this I I think that they're going to take care of business on Wednesday I don't care what the score is as long as they win and get 3 points and uh, and I I hope that they continue to foster this uh this love of the club because I think that's what's going to carry Newcastle now in the future in the premiership Instead of going out and getting the mercenary guy for the money that doesn't, all he wants to do is try to use Newcastle to try to get to a bigger job. So it's a wonderful, it's a wonderful city to walk into at the minute, Chris. Honestly, it's buoyant. Match day is a buoyant. The place is, the place is happy. Everyone's smiling. It's just, there's just, there's just something about it, and it's all down to one man, a manager. You, you have to wonder if Martin Hardy's come out there and said he's definitely, he's going to be there next season. That there's been some. Something's definitely happened behind the scenes to say, yeah, okay, we're all in this together. Uh, it's going to be a big job getting that team up. Um, obviously, I think when we we find out who the sponsor is, um, and it could, you know, 
That's why Lee, Neil, Chris, we all think, well, it, it wouldn't take much for Newcastle United to, to really look to be something special. At least top eight. Yeah, I think. Top eight, yeah. Uh, I think in the first, Neil, sorry, Lee. Lee. Well, you, 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 look at the Premier, you look at the Premier League from Man United, Liverpool, um, Man City, Chelsea, um, Spurs, uh, who I missed out. Arsenal. Missed out. Arsenal. Yeah. You look beyond that. Look beyond that. Probably Everton, maybe a little bit. You look beyond that. Look, look at what we pull in. Look at what we could pull in. Mm-hmm. I have, I've mentioned it before, and I'm talking a long time ago, but David, you know the turn down Barcelona to sign Newcastle United. Why not? Mm-hmm. Why not? Man City, Man City, and Chelsea have only got there because of money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a fact. So, in, in, when the Premier League was formed, who was, who was one of the teams within the league who was competing at the time when it was, you know, Man United Newcastle, Man United Newcastle, and then it went when, Man when, United Arsenal. But unfortunately, when, due, to, due to being run poorly by the board, in my, my opinion, Freddie Shepard and that, instead of just sort of like continuing it on, you know, we got lost in that. So, I believe we can get back there again with the right, clever investment. You're right there, Lee. Clever investment. If you look at the current top six in the Premier League, okay? Current top six. Outside of that top six, if we were in the Premier League, there is n- you cannot give me a valid argument why a player would sign for any other of those clubs other than us if we were in the running for them. Mm-hmm. Because yep. outside of that current top six, and I'm going to upset me, me Everton mates here, who I'm sorry... Why would you go and play at Goodison Park mm-hmm. uh, at this moment in time with its wooden seats and it's it's mm-hmm. it's straight out the sixties? There's nothing to attract you there. Um, the only other club you, you could even dare say out of outside of that top six, and there's only one reason and one reason alone is West Ham because they're in bloody London, yeah. and some players still insist that they want to play in London, and you take out take out of that. I don't see any reason why we couldn't attract top players if we were in the Premier League um, because there's nobody with a um, better history in the Premier League. There's nobody with a better history uh, you know, in, in terms of crowds and grounds and who would you want to play in front of. And we've got the man at the helm who could make the difference and turn heads the way, you know, to, to get certain players to sign because he's somebody who's respected throughout the game. And and so you're, you're quite right. You know, there's no reason why we shouldn't be aiming to to, to, to more than consolidate next season. But let's get a, let's get this this season out of the way first before we start getting into the ins and outs of that. Really, I think I think yeah, a win on Wednesday will help. Yeah, I think it actually you can see Newcastle going for a couple of players. It would be funny, wouldn't it, if. I think once Mizbah go down, because they're two teams, Sunderland and Mizbah are definitely going down for me. There's no, <laughs> there's, there's no, there's no way, there's no hope for that team. Andrew, uh, yeah, northeast, northeast football is kind of depressing. I mean, it's, it's, it's yeah, every time it's like you guys can't get all three teams all playing well at the same time. You know, one team's going to go up, and now the other two are going to come down. It's, mm. it's kind of br- you almost wish. I guess maybe that works out best for you guys. I don't know. I, I always thought it was kind of fun to have, you know, to have two. Dar- it would have been great to have two derby matches. You can tell, you can tell in my voice, Steve. Um, I'm 
I'm absolutely, I'll be devastated if someone goes down. Devastated, absolutely devastated for them. And if they go into administration as well, I'll, I'll be even more devastated. <laughs> You'll be even more devastated? <laughs> well, hey, guys, i, I got to go, but I'm going to leave you guys with this. Please, please talk to your fellow new. Don't let any of these idiots fly a plane with a banner over the Stadium of Light. We are better than that. That's right. We let are. Those, Agreed. We that are be better nice. than that. That is so childish yeah. and stupid yeah, to be doing stuff you know like that these days. Do it. Do it. I mean, it's just, I don't, I don't get it. We're gonna if we go to the Premiership as champions of the cha- of. Uh, it does seem like, by the way, if we win this league, I think we will have accomplished something this time. I didn't say that we really accomplished something seven eight years ago whenever we won the the championship, but I think we'll accomplish accomplish something this year. But regardless. Let's, nobody, nobody fly any planes. Nobody. I mean, the, you know, the, I, I, I just think that's dumb. Yeah. Thanks, Chris. Thanks very much. We'll catch See you guys on. later. A very good point to leave, right. to leave it on. Yeah. See you know, later. It would be very. You know what's going to happen, though, Neil? Don't you? <laughs> you know somebody's going to somebody's going to do it, and it'll be it'll probably come from Twitter. Somebody will pay the. I think it costs nine hundred, six hundred pounds you know, or whatever. To, to you know, I, I actually would be disappointed. I think we've got a bit. We should have a bit more class than that. I think if someone's going to do it, you know. I think I think most people need to get on it and say, "Look, lads, if you're going to donate to that, how you didn't that kid Frankie and Bradley, yeah. you know, how money, how money, how money at that end of the day, the Mac and the Mac they got to get what's coming to the man. I'll be absolutely giving them it with twenty barrels, but I don't need to fly a plane. I don't need to fly a plane over the stadium. You didn't need to fly a plane to get that excited about it. You're no. absolutely correct, mate. You're absolutely no. correct. And this is this is what we need to be doing. Is we need to be having a lot more class than that. It's as simple as that. Is my it opinion. hasn't helped themselves have the, the fact that they've, you know, they've, you know, they've, laid, they've made some people redundant. And I'm hearing that they haven't been doing it. They're not paying them the required amount. This, um, I knew this has been. I knew this has been in the post for the last four or five years. And and absolutely. and I tell you, the only thing, the only thing. That has appeased their fans, and, and as, as a lot of them have basically continued to wander blindly, not seeing what was going on in front of their own eyes, was six in a row. That's it. The be-all and yeah. end-all of most of their fans' existence. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you what, if they go down this season, which is looking more than likely, I don't see it. I don't see a Rafa Benitez in their future, and I don't see a very rosy future. And if Rafa Benitez stays at Newcastle United and Mike Ashley decides to back him, they'll be looking at the back. They'll be looking at our horses for a long time. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I think they're, they're going down. And the thing is, there's only two automatic teams that go up. And you know, when you look at the teams that go down from the Premiership as well. Um, Andrew, a guy was a guy. Seriously, a guy was trying to tell me the other day that uh, he said he was he's trying to be clever. Well done for finishing above Huddersfield, Matt. And I just said, well, good luck to you finishing above Huddersfield next season. And he started to tell us he started to tell us how, how much of a poor league it was. And I just said, well, you might get your chance next season to see how poor it actually is. I, I actually some of them I don't think re- the reality of their own situation, not just with their first team, what's going on behind the scenes, is actually dawning on them. I really don't. Especially well, the amount of money they'll get for the players who are going to leave. It's not going to be that much, is it? I, I think the, the, the X factor amongst that as well, Lee, is we don't know what level of commitment Short will have if they get relegated. Because he's, al- he's, al- he's, he's already you know, made 
overtures and there was that rumour was behind the scenes he'd said quite openly in front of a lot of journalists that he wasn't going to ruin his family fortunes the way Lerner did at Aston Villa. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that for me, is one of the most worrying statements I've heard from a, a, a football owner. Because I mean, that's somebody who just really wants them to, uh, and you can t- see from the, the, the lack of transfer budget in January, really. I mean, I'm, you know? I'm, on, the, I'm on the other side of the fence of the game. I'm, I mean, I know a lot of people here that they don't like it. I love it. I love the game. And I've lost the last, like, we drew the last one, but we lost the last six. But I love it. I love waking up in the morning. I love the whole week. I love the build-up to it. I love the adrenaline buzz it gives us. But, so, I would, so, so of course, I would miss that game because I think moving away, beating Sunderland, um, um, you know, probably, I dread to think what it would be. I remember that day we beat them 5-1. I remember we beat them 5-1. I was having, like, a seriously you know, surreal out-of-body out of experience. I didn't know what was going on. I was, like, flying. Got to and if you couple... And, and he, without Newcastle winning like a trophy or a major trophy, I would imagine probably that's the, one of the best feelings I've had in football. So I'll miss that game. But based on some of the tripe I've read over the last five or six years, um, they're going to get it full on, double barrel. I mean, I've been, been giving someone on Twitter when I've been talking to you here because he's talking tripe. Um, and the only kind of comeback they can have is just like um, that they haven't got any. I mean... I'll be searching hashtag rapidation, hashtag FPM, and I will find, I will find some absolute Twitter gold if they get relegated. Oh, you will. I mean, even, even one kid the other night, I found Raphael, Raphael Benitos. Raphael Benitos. I mean, what kind of planet are these people on, man? Well, they all were obsession of men, didn't they? That's the favourite fragrance. It's, uh, man, it, it, there, there will be some Twitter gold to be had. Okay. Oh, There's no doubt. I'll find it. I'm digging now. John, we've got John, Newcastle Native fan. Do you think, John, will you miss Northampton Sunderland um, playing against Sunderland next season if, if we get promoted, that is, and they go, and they go down? Uh, John? John. John. Uh, oh, calling John. Are you I, there, John? I, I, I am. I am. <laughs> I Are you am. there, John? I am. Okay, Could so tell me, will you, will you miss the will you miss the the the, the, the Jordy Derby if uh, if Sunderland uh, go down as expected and we go up? Um, to be honest with you, I wouldn't miss it. I'll definitely miss the Derby because um, it just keeps the season going. Because all the beat, we want to beat these like one time for all, but not at our expense. But there's always time we're going to play them again, so maybe in the cup game, maybe sort of thing. And um, you know, but I'm going to miss it. I'm really going to miss the derbies there. Yeah, to, uh, obviously with the news changing that Rafa looks like he's going to be staying in Newcastle. Um, what was what was your thoughts on on the weekend's game? Did you did you did you enjoy it, or did you did you get your flag out? Um, well, the first, well, I mean, the first half, I mean, like, after we played all okay, here, but it was, it was very, very nervy, uh, to be honest with you, sort of thing at times. But um, when when, he, when Wigan scored the equalising goal, I think it could have gone either way. If they have scored again from um, the big lad in defence, Dan Root, it's a Dan Burn. If you had put our chances away, then it would have been absolutely nervy. It would have been really, really tough. But thank God he missed this. 
that we got the job done, we got three points, and hearing people around us are mourning because we're not been playing well. But we'd have to understand this side in the championship, right? You've got to grind out results, sort of thing. I mean, personally, I don't like, um, you know, boring football, but we're getting the points, we're getting the wins, going to most scores, right? <laughs> people should be happy, sort of thing, where we are in the league right now, and um, just get promoted, right? And then hopefully next season, Rafa might change all the two things. He might play exciting football, sort of thing, you know? But at times, we're going to have to grind out these results, simple as that. This, 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 we aren't playing well thing, uh, like compared to Brighton and Huddersfield. I think out of the last 10 games, we've lost one, and out of the yeah. last 10 games for the other two, they've lost yep. three. And I, I, I just find it like Newcastle's not playing well. Newcastle, Newcastle are doing what a team who is going for the championship um, needs to do not play well and, and win. Um, I. <clears throat> I understand the way Rafa sets up. I would say, yep. if you think back towards the end of last season when we were picking up results in the Premier League, certainly at home, I'll use Man City as that example. Rafa Benitez, if we get promoted next season, we will have teams which will come and attack us at St. James's Park. And I mean attack us. Yeah. Better side than Man City, the Liverpool's. Rafa Benitez will take the blueprint of this season and play like that at home, like the counter-attack and attacking side and try and improve the pace. That's well. That's next season. Next season, in my in my head, I think that's when you will see the beauty of Rafa Benitez because you will see us like we did against Man City at home that night. I was watching them on the sideline. I was watching them dictate. I was watching them move the back four. We sat in. We made it hard for Man City to break down, and then we when we and then we broke on them when we got the ball and we used it very well. And I think that's what we you will see next season. Defen- def- being defensive isn't necessarily a negative. It can become an, it can become exciting. The next season yep. when you play on the better sides, we yep. you, this that's when you will see the beauty of our manager. when we're organized and making it hard for teams to break us down. Mm. Yeah. I totally agree with Ellie. I really totally agree with that sort of thing. Because we played when you played in Scotland um, last season we won five one. I thought we were up Absolutely magnificent that year. We really were. I mean, yeah, I know people go see it. No, it was only pressure on this sort of just trying to enjoy ourselves sort of thing. But we've got the players to hurt teams. We've got the players to play exciting football. Do you know what I mean? But like um, the guys just said, I mean, next season, we're going to see a totally different Rafa. We're going to play some cracking stuff. We're going to play fantastic counter-attacking football sort of thing. Do you know what? I'm going to enjoy it. And I hope other fans will enjoy this. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? It's going to be big. Obviously, it's just a bigger. It's a bigger thing entirely, isn't it? The big boys are going to be come. The big boys are going to come in. They're going to. They're going to really try and shake Newcastle United's defence. Oh, right. it's like who would you? If you had a choice, John, who would you like to come in? Would you? I must be. I. I, I love my Andy Carroll, but um, I can't. If there's a change at West Ham, they're itching to get rid of him. I don't care what they say. They've been itching to get rid of him for a long, long time. But um, it, it would be. I think. It, it's going to be interesting because no matter what, with Rafa, he does like, he likes his pace, but he does like the big man up there as well, doesn't he? He does, he does, because you look at the records, I mean, you look at the players Rafa has signed over the years. Fernando Torres, 21 million. Gonzalo Grimes, oh, I love, man. He paid, what, 33 million for the lad, and the both been up. Absolutely world class, and it, and the thing is, though, I mean, I'm hoping to see which striker's going to come to us in the summer. That's just going to pick, and um, I hope it's I hope it's a good one. But I'll be as good as the um, 
I look down the towel back, but I can't see it happening. But whoever Rafa's brings in next season, I'm going to support that player because um, Rafa's got a great record band side as he really has. Well, I, think that, I, I think he'd be looking to identify mobility, me like I really do. I think that's what we we need in the side. I think he'd be looking at mobility. I, I think we need a bit of pace. I think we need a bit. I, I think that I think that would be a key thing he would be looking at in terms of a footballer. I mean, just John just touched on uh, on Torres. Uh, Torres at Liverpool was probably on at that point in time probably the best centre forward on the planet under Rafa. Yeah. And he played with Stephen Gerrard in behind him, and they were absolutely sensational. I mean, sensational. I remember they ripped us apart at St James's and beat us 5 1. And we just could not live with Torres and Gerrard. Um, and that was, and that was, that, that was a, a well oiled machine Rafa had there. And he had defensively, they were solid. They had Mascarano and Alonso sitting in front of the back four. You didn't really get through Liverpool. But then he, but then he added spice up front. And he will be looking to make us solid and compact, and he is definitely going to try and add spice to this team. There's no doubt about it. Mm. Give me a score for Wednesday before the end of the show. Um, I'll take uh, any 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 result. I mean, one nil thing, me just to keep a ticking over, and then we can go out and go to Sheffield on Saturday, and I'll be absolutely buzzing. Yeah, I think. Uh, give me a score, John. Um, well. James Burton, I mean, they're fine for the lads as well, but we should have enough for them. I'm going to see it's going to be tight because Burton's going to come here and play like five, five and I wouldn't be surprised and I'd call them season half, so I'm going to go, I think it'll go for a 2 0 a 2 win. What do you think, Neil? Um, yeah, to be honest with you, if it's anything less than a 2 0 win, I think I'll be disappointed, to be fair. I think he'll change the team. Like I think there'll be a definite oh. change. You know, as you know, cool. we just, no, he never changes the team. Opportunity, to, <laughs> Andrew. Opportunity to rotate. We've got seven. You know, six six games to play in April. Absolutely, he's going to rotate yeah. the team. Hey, I, 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 I can't wait for that Sheffield Wednesday game. No, just, everything's bubbling along. If we're going, I mean, the place should be bouncing again. The place should be bouncing Wednesday night. Like what John was mentioning about little thing about when the game finished, there was people walking out the ground looking like a little bit down when we won two one. I was like, what's wrong with you, man? I, I didn't cut, get cut, that. I'll cut, 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 cut in a second, guys. I'll cut in a second, right? I mean, like I said earlier, we're top of the league, right? You're getting three points, right? It's not exciting football, but we are, we are getting there. We're going out results. Of, people should be happy what we what we get. You know what I mean? Three points, top of the table, happy days. People should be satisfied here. Yeah, I think I'm only satisfied till we get to, <laughs> till we, till we actually get up, mate. <laughs> That's the main thing for me. I just want, That's, want all want. That's all everyone wants, just to get promoted as soon as we possibly can. No? Absolutely. <laughs> well, thanks so much for everyone who's been on tonight. It's been an absolute pleasure, lads. Thanks. thanks I particularly so enjoyed the bit. I particularly enjoyed the bit of old Sunday, lads. <laughs> it was good, wasn't it? Half an hour. Half an hour, and that fantastic with uh, with our special guest. Uh, Andy Kerr from Dubai and Doha. So thanks so much everybody for coming out. Thanks very much for joining.
thanks everybody for listening to Toon Talk. Remember, you can catch us on the um, the, the app. If you want to go to the Apple Store, just just type in Toon Talk. You'll be able to download our show, whichever show you want to listen to, at any given time. Thanks so much to my main guest tonight, in Andy Cook, and also my co-host, regular co-host, co